Thursday, December the 14th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We had so much content this week, we had to split it up into two different shows. So on this episode, you're going to get the NFL Week 15 game previews with Eric, game-by-game previews for all 16 games, and we'll give you a deep dive into the Marvels. Tim Kelly joins me for a, a Look at the most recent Marvel MCU project. It was the Marvels, and it got some bad reviews early on. They were wrong. This movie is fun. We had a blast talking about it. Spoiler alert. We're going to get into everything in the Marvels. So on this episode, you're going to get NFL and the Marvels. If you're looking for our normal weekly edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper, we recorded that. It's on our next episode. And then all the horse racing stuff is along with that. So... Friday Woodbine, Friday and Saturday Golfstream with Barry Spears, and Saturday Woodbine, as well as all of the uh, the horse, uh, all of the wrestling news and notes on the week on the next episode. You've got football here, you've got the Marvels here, you've got the racing and the wrestling on the next episode, and everything here is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's get right on into it. NFL Week 15, and then we'll move on over to the deep dive of the Marvels. Kick back and enjoy. Coming up on NFL Week 15. Gino and Eric here with you, getting ready to preview all of the games. And now we have 16 games because everybody's done with their buys now. Everybody's finished up throughout the rest of the year. And uh believe we just have games uh, for everyone now the final few weeks, Eric. And man, it's been a crazy year when we talk about quarterbacks. We injured quarterbacks that are done for the year. Rodgers, Herbert, Richardson, Watson, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins all had season-ending injuries. I guess Rodgers, you know, theoretically could come back. Uh, others, Geno Smith, C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Trevor Lawrence banged up. Through the first 14 weeks, there have been 55 starting quarterbacks. Now, this week coming up, we're going to have a couple more. We'll probably Stroud out pro- and definitely uh, stick starting for the Chargers. So now we'll be up to probably 57. 16 different teams have had to start their QB2 this year. So half of the league uh, at this point. It's been crazy year as far as just quarterback injuries. And 13 teams right now are 7-6 and six or 6-7. Six and seven. A lot can happen in these next four weeks as far as playoffs are concerned. Yeah, um... <clears throat> You know, one thing I gave out on my stream a couple weeks ago was the prices for the bills were <clears throat> absolutely insane. I mean, I got them, at, I think, at plus 330 to make the playoffs, um, plus, like 50 to one to make the suit to win the Super Bowl, 15 to one to win the AFC. You know, I have some insane prices going on to the bills just because with how their schedule lines up, they could actually make win the division. Yeah, they could actually make a run. So, Get a home uh, game. Interesting to see kind of like how it plans out and everything. Um, some of these teams in it like have backup quarterbacks. We don't really know what, what that's going to look like. It's interesting. You know, we never Chiefs offense is awful. Well, th- just, right you're now. talking about the AFC right now, right? The Chiefs, yes. they've got some concerns offensively, just like you're about to say. Miami, 
We just saw them blow a game. They've got major concerns. They just lost their center. They're really getting banged up too. They haven't beat any good teams all year. Uh, the Ravens, they look a little different with Andrews. They should, without Andrews, they should have lost that game to the Rams over the weekend. And so now you're looking at the teams that are at like the top of the AFC. Who is so scary that the Bills couldn't beat? Yeah, I mean, and the thing we need to re- <clears throat> remember with the Bills is you just look at their point differential. I mean, this team should be better than their seven and six record. If there's one team that is underperforming, it's them. Um, well, another- by, by all metrics too, like all the EPA stuff you look at, like they're all towards the top of all, like they're fourth in EPA per play. They're third in success rate. Overall DVOA, they're number six. They've got the third ranked offense and the 15th ranked defense, even with all those defensive injuries they've had. You know, they've had, because they're, the one thing we see about them, their A game, they don't play it often, but their A game is about as good as anyone's because Allen gives them a ceiling, right? With yeah, his Allen, you know, they're starting to have Cook. Oh, sorry. They're starting to use Cook more effectively. You have um, Stefan Diggs, who's, you know, that wide receiver that can make anything happen. You have Big Play Gabe. You have Dalton Kincaid. I mean, you have literally a million and two weapons at your disposal there. Offensive line has been performing a lot better. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the MVP is weird. Um, It's a quarterback-driven award. Um, Rightfully so. You look at Brock Purdy, he's he's the favorite. 49ers are the best team. You look at his stats, he's the favorite, rightfully so. But the media always tries to make stuff narrative-driven, and if Josh Allen is able to go on a run, get this team in the playoffs, you know, have them win the AFC um, North. Because they'll have beaten the Cowboys and the Dolphins now in the next few weeks, right? To and get into the playoffs. Sitting, yeah. He's sitting at 20 to one. I mean, I don't, it kind of depends like how much you bet. Have it His be like, numbers are starting yeah. to stack, right? He's got 25 passing and 10, uh, 25 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns this season. Joining yeah. only Murray and Newton. The only players in history to hit both in a single season. Like that's those are so he's hitting some big numbers. If they start to win and then can get into a division lead, and all of a sudden there's not all that much of a difference in margin between these top teams in the AFC, his numbers might be good enough. And you look at a guy like Purdy, who, like you said, it the only knock like Purdy's numbers and the stuff that he's doing is fantastic. Like he's playing quarterback he's for playing the San, Fran- he's playing San Francisco 49ers at about as well of a level as you could play for them. I think the only thing that hurts him is just that his team and his coaching staff are so good. Even last year, like Brock Purdy is the number one quarterback in DYAR. You know, last year, Jimmy G was. Now I'm Mm -hmm. watching these two guys and it's not the same, right? You can see that Brock Purdy is better and throws the ball better down the field and is doing things better than Jimmy G. But those are things that sort of hurt him because this team was still pretty good with a Jimmy G type of quarterback, right? And they and then I look at Debo, McCaffrey, Trent Williams, uh, maybe three guys on their defense. They all might be like better for their particular position than he even is as a quarterback. And all of that is stuff that's not even his fault, right? Throw in Shanahan and the scheme and everything. I wonder if that stuff ends up hurting him as we get closer and closer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to hurt him, but I don't think it should. Um, I mean, no, no, and it's it's tough because it's 
it's definitely something worth mentioning, right? But it's unfair to a guy who's doing everything you ask of him and even more to say, oh, well, it's only the system. But then you do have to counter that and say, a guy like Jimmy G took this team to the Super Bowl. And we saw him out of that system, what he looked like, right? Mm -hmm. So it is this kind of counter, but man, he continues to just like check things off boxes that nobody else has ever done. Those are some of just the big things to talk about. Let's get into our game by game as we start with a beautiful Thursday night game with two teams that are just don't really have anything to play for at this moment. You've got the Chargers at the Raiders here. Raiders come off of a game where they didn't score a point. They had eight first downs, 12 total drives, 202 total yards. They got into the red zone once and fumbled it. They were three of 14 on third down. The positive, they only allowed three points. Their defense played really well. Uh, but they've lost three in a row now, and they just have not looked good. Talk about not looking good. The Chargers, and they've lost four in their last five games. They're a three-point dog here. So the Raiders, who didn't score a point last week, are a three-point favorite here. The over-under in this game is 34. Herbert's out, done for the year. This Chargers offense, even with Herbert, was bad. They gained an interception, got the ball at the Denver 13-yard line, and they could only get seven yards. They got stopped on a fourth and three at the Denver six. Couldn't score a point. Had to turn it over on downs. They had seven possessions in the first half. Couldn't score a point. Even when Herbert was in the game, four punts, two turnovers on downs and an interception in the seven possessions. Easton stick comes in. He leads one touchdown drive. It was the first time they had scored in seven quarters. They scored a touchdown. His other five possessions though, uh, two punts, two turnovers on downs and a fumble. They were 0 of 12, the Chargers, on third down. 0 of 12 and 1 of 6 on fourth down. I mean, just abysmal, Eric. Do you got anything for this game? Yeah, I actually dove into the deep waters here. I took the um, – excuse me. I took the 49ers here plus the um, – Chargers. Jesus. I took, you're getting – wait, so you're getting sticky. Jesus, I am sorry. You're getting – no, no worries, but you're getting sticky? A little no, Easton sticky? no, no, no. no, no. I took – I took the Raiders here minus the three. Okay, there we go. I was all I was like, oh, okay. Chargers are supposed to be this defensive monster with the players they have. DVOA rankings 27th mm-hmm. overall, 25th pass, 22 DVOA. They're 29th in de- defending wide receiver ones. Adams has been a monster against the Staley defense per game. These are his averages. He's averaging 14 targets per game, nine catches, 131 yards. Asante Samuel usually doesn't shadow. Coverage, that means he'll be matched up with Michael Davis, who is PFF graded 85. Teams after getting shut out the previous week, the next week are 70% against the against the number. We have Easton Stick making his first career start on the road on a short week against Max Crosby. Let's just kind of like not outthink the room in my eyes. Um, Thursday night football favorites, 55% ATS, divisional football Divisional favorites on Thursday Night Football, also 55% ATS. Plus, I'm hearing a lot of chirp from the Chargers locker room that this team has kind of mopped it in. They're kind of throwing in the white white flag. Keenan Allen's not playing. Yep. Austin Eckler's pissed off. Um, I'm hearing they're going to give Isaiah Spiller a run to see what they have in him. So, yeah. You got stick throwing with no Allen and other receivers who've been dropping the ball repeatedly. They have been moving the ball even with – Staley, yeah. I mean, I couldn't get on the Chargers side here. I'd be fine with the Raiders at three, anything at three or under. You might see two and a half and, and some others in uh, in places. 
We're looking right now at DRF Sportsbook. Remember, if you were in the state of Iowa, you can sign up for a DRF Sportsbook account. Use our promo code FAST300. It'll get you all the way up to a $300 deposit match bonus. If you have any friends, family, relatives, it's the holiday season that you know are in the state of Iowa, let them know. Tell them to sign up. They'll get a bonus right here, and uh, they can play all these football games coming up this weekend. We go with a game that has two teams in serious playoff positioning. Like both of these teams have an opportunity to win their way into the playoffs. First up, it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings with Mullins. As you pointed out, Eric, with Josh Dobbs, he had a good glimpse. And I think give him all the credit in the world for a few weeks. Josh Dobbs played at a level above him. Even whether or not winning and losing, you know, those things can be subjective. Bad quarterbacks can lead teams to wins. But Dobbs actually looked good and had an offense looking good for a few weeks to that people were saying, wow. And then, as you were pointing out, he's just, he has some tendencies that the more you watch his film, you can pick up on him. And we saw that with him and he really struggled. And I will give him some of the benefit of the doubt. Like Jefferson came in, he got hurt, but he put Jefferson in a bad spot with some, just some bad passes there. He just did not look very good. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings win a game three, nothing on the same day. The Minnesota wild won three, nothing. How about that? Two Minnesota three, nothing uh, wins on the same day. First game that ended in a three Oh score since 2007. Uh, in that game, the Vikings and Raiders only had a combined 433 total yards. They had 17 punts. So this will be the Nick Mullins show because Josh Dobbs, had a completion percentage over expected, negative 16.1. That is the lowest by a Vikings quarterback in a game since at least 2016 when the next-gen stats era started. Jefferson says he's going to play in this game. I'll give the defense a lot of credit. They were they were really good. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, 19 pressures, 41% pressure rate, four sacks in the game, multiple pass breakups. We have a guy on the opposite side for the Bengals starting with Jake Browning. Uh, he came out of the game late with a cramp. I think it's going to be him, right, Eric? Should be yeah, Browning. Going to be Browning, yeah. Um, and you know what? He's looked really good. He over the last two weeks, Pro Football Focus has Jake Browning the number one graded quarterback. He has an eighty-two percent completion percentage. He has a ninety passing grade. No other quarterback has higher than an eighty-two passing grade over the last two weeks. Finished eight of nine on play-action passes. So they're. They're doing things smart for him. They're getting him warmed up with some screens, some play action stuff. And then he's capable of taking some shots down the field. You don't want him slinging it all around. Like any quarterback, you want to make life easier for him. They've done a really good job in doing that. And I'll give Zach Taylor a a lot of credit. His first three starts as a quarterback is the highest completion percentage by any quarterback since 1950. He's a 79.3%. Only him and Herbert have had at least 800 passing yards and a completion percentage over 70 in their first three starts. They The Bengals played really well in the second half. It was a tie game at half, but they scored touchdowns first two possessions of the second half, and they blew the game open. They ended up finishing 385 total yards, 6.8 yards per play. They were the fourth best offense of the week in EPA per play. So, Coaching staff has gotten them prepped and ready for Jake Browning. And I mean, everybody just sort of wrote them off as soon as Burrow got hurt. They've been really feisty and they kind of show that they're pretty competent still without Burrow. Uh, They have a lot of talent on this team on both sides of the ball. And I do think their staff, while I have questions some 
sometimes about Taylor, Eric. Like he certainly had some really nice game plans the last couple of weeks. And this has been like some of the most impressed I've been with Taylor with what he's been doing with Browning. Yeah. I mean, people forget that Browning was electric at Washington. He was one of the better quarterbacks. He set all these high school records. This kid is used to winning. He's pretty, he was pretty good. He just never, you know, didn't look good in shorts throwing a basketball. That's why he got, um, that's why he got where he was drafted. Um, and then, um, you know, I'll give credit to O'Connell. I didn't think O'Connell was that good of a coach, but kind of looking at kind of what's going on and everything, he's taken two teams I don't think is that good, and he's kind of put him in a position to uh, to succeed, yeah. which you have to kind of give him respect for. Um, I, in terms of this game, look, Taylor, 46% against the number with no Burrow as a favorite. He's one in three. Do you really trust Mullins? We don't know what's going on with Jefferson. Madison is banged up, too. That means a lean on Ty Chandler. Um, all – all this comes down to in my in my eyes is if the Vikings can contain Mixon. If the Vikings can contain Mixon, they're going to be able to win this game. Stay obviously stay within the number because they're getting three. But in terms of side right now, I want nothing to do. Got to see what's going on with Browning and everything. And what's given him a nice little boost too the last couple of games, Chase Brown. He's had 20 touches, 166 yards, and it sort of gives them what they were missing with P Ryan. Right, that change of pace guy who's just different than Mixon. Because if you have two running backs that are similar and it's just a backup that's not really different than the first, then it doesn't give you that compliment and it doesn't keep defenses on their toes a little bit. I think he's been a nice little help for them and they've done a, a really good job. I agree with you though. I want nothing to do with the side uh, in this one. How about another game with massive playoff implications? The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. The Steelers have now lost three of their last four games. They became only the second team in history to lose back-to-back home games to teams with 10-plus losses coming into the game. Prior to Week 13, Mike Tomlin was 9-0 and in home games against opponents with 10-plus losses, and he's been 0-2 in the last two weeks. Uh, they allowed New England to score a touchdown on their opening drive. New England had been miserable scoring a combined 13 points in their last three games. New England put up 21 in the first half against them with Bailey Zappi. See, that's what was the most disappointing to me about the game with Pittsburgh. It wasn't that Trubisky struggled early, and then later in the game, they kind of cut it and, and came back a little bit. But Trubisky was dead last in passing grade on the week. He was bad. It was, it was more their defense and how their defense made a bad Patriots offense look really good in the first half. Yeah. Um, like for me, I look at this game, look, it's Tomlin as a dog. Uh, I actually got this off of openers at three, not really sure at this one and a half number. It's kind of in that deadish zone. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at the trends, Tomlin 65 against the number as a dog, 61 against the number as a road dog, 63 as a dog off a loss. Minshew home favorite, only 40% in his career. I know Trubisky's a starter, but the Colts' defense is bad on the back four, especially the left side of the field where Jones and Thomas line up. Uh, for me, I know on my DFS segments on my podcast, I always talk about targeting guys that line up on the left side, and I think Trubisky's going to do the same thing. Colts are 26 DVOA against the run. I think this is a good bounce-back spot for the Steelers' offense. I know Watt and Highsmith are in concussion protocol, but I think this is a Thursday game. I think they're going to be out. Minshew historically has struggled with pressure in his face. 
Also, he tends to lean on Pittman, but the Steelers are eighth DVOA defending the pass. And also, Porter has slowly morphed into a shutdown cornerback. I think he's going to be able to take Pittman away. At this number, I'd probably just play the plus 107 here on DRF, DRF though. Yeah, um, the Colts side, they, they, the problem is they didn't really look very impressive last week. Their defense really struggled, allowing 385 total yards to Browning, eh, making his third career start. They allowed 6.8 yards per play. And, you know, they were down by 14. They come back and tie the game. And then they allow the Bengals to open the second half with back-to-back touchdown drives, then a muffed punt. So the defense wasn't great. Special teams wasn't great. They had two turnovers, nine penalties. In a game where they actually had some chances, you know, they were tied at halftime and even down by two scores, like they kept getting the ball with chances, but turned the ball over. And that win would have put them in a tie for first place in the division. Just one of three in the red zone. I'm I'm a little cold on both of these teams right now, so I'm going to stay away from this one. Let's move to the Broncos at the Lions. This one is around about a, a four-point spread. Lions are favored by over under 47 and a half. So the Lions... It's a bad matchup. I mean, I'm not trying to forgive the Lions for what happened last week against the Bears, but it's a bad matchup for them. It's a bad matchup for a lot of teams when Fields is is running and, and playing well. And just for some reason, that that defense in particular, which is struggling, when you're struggling, facing a running quarterback is one of the worst things that can happen because it, you know, all these assignments you're missing and things you're not accounting for. So I'm not going to give them a, a pass, but it just it seems like a weird matchup. They had three turnovers, the Lions did. They struggled on key downs, just 6 of 15 on third down. And then you had that sort of the bottom side of what happens when you're overly aggressive. They were 1 of 5 on fourth down. And you could see it it hurt them in some spots throughout the game. But even after the slow start, Eric, you're still up by 3 at halftime. But the first three possessions of the second half, 3 and out, 3 and out, 3 and out. And the Bears score three times on their first four possessions of the second half. Lions didn't pick up. They're the initial first down of the second half until there was only nine minutes to go in the game. They fumbled a snap, turned the ball over on downs twice in the second half and threw an interception. Goff has five interceptions against the Bears, five interceptions against every other team combined this year. And what's a little bit worrisome, he was graded quarterback number 29 on the week. He's now had his worst graded games of the year, weeks 11, 12, 14, and 7. So like three of the last four have been bad games for him. And is it just kind of, you know, him regressing a little bit because maybe he was playing a little over his head? Is it a combination of things? Are teams figuring out stuff? Whatever it is, he's not played well in this stretch. Um, And the offensive line struggled again. They allowed four sacks. And you're going to run into a Broncos team that, I mean, they're, they're just playing really well right now. They're allowing 16 points per game over their last eight. Eric, I know you've been on them in a lot of these games. In eight of the games, they've won six. Their defense has 18 takeaways. They've only allowed 12 touchdowns. They've been playing really well. I mean, look, you look at the Broncos, dude. The main thing is their defense. They've been able to get these turnovers. At what point will the turnover aggression kind of stop? Yep. And don't look down. They're one game behind the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs. They are, the division. Like, they are right there. Chiefs. Um, obviously, you know, I was knee deep in these, like them to win it, them to like win it all, them to win the West, their over total, them to make the playoffs. So they're in a great position. Payne has kind of followed that out. They're leaning on Javante Williams here. Obviously, look, this 
I don't want to panic, but this is kind of like a must-win spot for the Lions. Yeah, um, no, I agree with you. They haven't looked good in a while. Now you're home. Like, you got to play better here. You really do. I was I was making the excuses for them like I was because the Bears' offense has been playing better. It can be a little tricky with fields. We can see that's just a bad matchup for them. They have to – like, their defense has to be somewhat, like, passable in this game. Just, like, make some play something. Since week eight, though, they've been the worst defense per EPA. And their defense – and that's when McNeil went out. When they don't have that guy next to Hutch, yep, it's just really hard for them to do anything. Um, In terms of this game, look, I'm going to be on Laporta props. Broncos really do struggle covering the tight end. I'll probably look at Laporta to his receiving yard over. Those aren't up yet. If I can get two to one or higher for him to score a tutty, I'll take that. That's how I'm going to attack this game. At this four number, eh, probably will stay away. Maybe first half, maybe I'll look that. But it's yeah. just with how the Lions are playing, it's just really you can't really trust them right now. And I made this analogy on my um, on my show on Tuesday night. Dan Campbell right now with his fourth down decisions is kind of like that stubborn stubborn gambler. I know. He is. Who just keeps on pushing going and hitting or whatever over and over right it's just it's just he's just a complete wild card so i really don't unfortunately and it wasn't like it it didn't feel this way i think what the the one game that what what hurt him almost was the game against the chargers where he was sort of forced to do it a lot because it was that back and forth game and it worked out so much it's almost been like let's do it now every time you don't have to do that like the fourth and two threes or even like the fourth and fives in that tricky spot around midfield, I'm fine with. When you start getting up above that, like we the, the eights, the nines, the tens and stuff, that's you don't need to go for it then. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is that one. This is my issue. It was fourth and one on their own 34. You're down two scores. There's 13 minutes left. You're playing against a team that has given up the least rushing yards per game, and you're without your starting center and your starting left guard which is huge, and you decide to run the ball. It's like, what are you doing? Why not just throw a screen, get someone in a flat? I just didn't like like that play. Like, if if Frank and Jonah were there, the center and the, and the left guard, I get it. I understand it. But the drop-off in skill from them to their back-off is a pretty big drop-off. Didn't like that play call. Defense has been just absolutely awful. Yeah, just give me some Laporta props here, and that's it. What do we roll next to the Falcons? Three-point favorite on the road at the Panthers over under this game. Another nice total, 34. So it was a good game for London last week for the Falcons. He had four different gains of at least 20 yards, uh, two more of 15 and 16, and he had a defensive pass interference in the fourth quarter. And it was another game that you look at the box score and the Falcons – had seven more first downs, 140 more total yards in the game, and they lost. They had 6.3 yards per play. Tampa had 4.3 yards per play. They moved the ball best towards the end of the game. They were down two scores. They go 67 yards, touchdown, 75 yards, touchdown. They take a three-point lead. Then they give up a long drive. They're down by four with 30 seconds to go. And then even then, they drive 72 yards in 30 seconds, but they have to launch a deep pass. The Falcons were missing five starters in that game. Every level of the defense was missing at least one starter. And then you could see it start to impact them in the second half. So the first half, 
Tampa had a 20% success rate running the ball. In the second half, Tampa had a 57% success rate running the ball. These guys were getting worn down, Eric, because it was a lot of guys that were not used to playing these many snaps. They're not like starters or premier-type players, more of fill-ins. And now on the offensive line, the Falcons were already missing two starters, and they lost two more during the game last week. They ended up missing two field goals with the NFL's most accurate kicker, who'd only missed one coming into this uh, game. And they've lost five one-score games this year. It's like watching the Ritter film back, man. He's one of the more confusing to me because he will look really good and really competent for large portions of the game, like where he's making nice plays and he's athletic. And then there's just two or three every game that are so bad, that are such bad decisions. It's like, what are you doing? Where did this come from? Um, He threw a bad interception that turned into a Tampa touchdown. He took a safety. He had a bad deep pass that should have been intercepted. He missed an easy pass to Robinson. Should have been a touchdown. They ended up having to settle for a field goal. It's really Jekyll and Hyde with him. But at least you get some good. But on the opposite side for the Panthers, we have not seen very much good for Bryce Young at all. He was 13 of 36 last week. 13 of 36 for 137 yards. He started the game three for his first 15 for 28 yards in his first 15 pass attempts. He missed your guy Mingo for a touchdown and then Shark dropped one. Happy and, Right. Happy and then, and you get, he did run the ball. Mm, he had 40 yards rushing, but the Panthers had two fumbles. They missed a field goal. They went eight of 20 on third down. They had 20 third downs. They went one of seven on fourth down. They were 0 of two in the red zone, 303 total yards. Okay, they hit 300 yards, but on 79 plays, 3.8 yards per play. At least they did run the ball well. They ran the ball for 200 yards as a team on 39 carries, 5.2 yards per carry. But this is the second time this year they've had a six-game losing streak. It's not good. I mean – the best analogy I can give with the Falcons and Arthur Smith is we've all been at the casino and um, the middle-aged woman walks in and she sits down at her blackjack table and you have no idea what the hell they're doing, why they're hitting. You know what I mean? And that's what Arthur Smith is to me. I know me too. Uh, I thought is- coming into the year and like the last couple of years, like what he did in Tennessee and even last year where it felt like he got guys to play over their heads. You and I were expecting a good year from him and just, so I've watched a lot of Falcons throughout the year. Man, they should have won so many more games, and so many times it's his fault. He's just it, – it's just brutal. And that's why he's the 15th least profitable coach against the spread as a favorite since 2005. I really want the three-and-a-half here. I'm going to be on the Panthers, but I think more Falcon money is going to come in just because how people look at the Panthers. Panthers, when you watch rewatch that game against the Saints, they should have won that game. They had a million and two opportunities, balls in the Saints zone, just couldn't take advantage of them. Falcons are insanely banged up on the defensive side of the ball. No Jarrett, which is going to allow them to lean on Chuba Hubbard, open stuff up, hopefully in the passing game, to take advantage of the injuries that the Falcons have. And at the end of the day, I don't trust Ritter. I don't trust Arthur Smith. Um, I'm going to be on the Panthers here. But like I said, I think we can get three and a half come Sunday. Let's move to the next game. We got the Browns favored by three and a half over the Bears. Over in this game is 38 and a half. 
I think it's a really good spot for the Bears in here. They've been playing some good football as of late. They had back-to-back wins for the first time in the Matt Eberflus tenure. They dominated that box score against the Lions. They had more first downs, more total yards, more total more yards per play. They won the time of possession by almost seven minutes. Fields was graded quarterback number eight on the week, finished with two big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, had 58 yards rushing. Tie game late in the third quarter. They had a fourth and 13 on the Detroit 38-yard line. It was in a weird spot. They end up going for it. They pick it up with a 38-yard touchdown. I mean, a play like that for you as a fan of the Lions, so frustrating. You give up a fourth and 13 for a touchdown, too. That's just aggravating. But it's good to see that the Bears were able to do that. And what the one matchup that I'm really key on. So the Browns' offensive line right now, they are really banged up and they are really struggling. Um, they only ran for 2.9 yards per carry last week, 82 yards rushing. And I think a lot of that is because the offensive line and I like, I've been really impressed with what Joe Flacco's done so far. I don't know if you want to be leaning on Joe Flacco without that much of an offensive line and without a really complimentary running game. Like he's played well and he's going to give them a better like adult in the room to run the offense than what they've had so far. But I, I, you know, I think for the Browns, great defense too. a running quarterback is always difficult. And that could kind of keep, get them out of their spots and maybe a little undisciplined at three and a half here. um, I'm on the Bears side. You know, the Browns are five and two in one score games this year. That's another one of those things that might regress a little bit back to the mean, just some, really positive things for them though. Got to give Kevin Stefanski a ton of credit for what he's done. They've had four different quarterbacks start at least two games for them this year. And they're eight and five. I mean, that is unbelievable to have four different guys start multiple games and they've had four different guys really starters have at least one win, which is incredible. Um, So uh, yeah, I'm on the bears here. I, I just can remember what they did last year. Also, it was really weird to me because everything that people were high on the bears for coming into this year was because of what they were building on at the end of last year. And then it was almost like the bears and their staff forgot the things that they were doing well at the end of last year. And then at the beginning of this year, they tried to make fields like a real traditional drop back guy and it wasn't working. And they tried to, it was like, are we, is this groundhog day? Like, are we watching the same exact thing that happened last year? And then, boom, here it was. Like, same sort of thing. Like, the the last third of the year, he's starting to run a little bit better. Now their defense is better, too, because they added sweat, right? And they're, they're, so their defensive line, they're fantastic stopping the run. And now they can put pressure on the quarterback here. So I think they're going to stop the run really well, Eric. And I think they'll be able to put a little pressure on Flacco here, too, at over the three. I like the Bears in this spot. For me, this is just a stay away. Like, look, Bears are coming off a big win over the Lions. Browns are coming off a big win um, at home over the Jaguars. Uh, Delpit, who is the safety of the Browns, he is out, which is a huge thing. Um, You know, you mentioned the offensive line. It just kind of comes down to the they're going to lean on the run and try to open up that for open up the passing game for Joe Flacco. If Sweat and crew are able to get home, that's going to make stuff hard for Flacco. And what Flacco is this? Is this just Skafanski's magic right here where he's able to scheme all this stuff up? Because Flacco was bad last time we saw him in that Jets. Oh, uniform. man. Jets, Bronco, right? Like, change, change of scenery? Or is this, you know, 
coaching, you know, Skafanski putting him in a position to succeed. Um, I'm just going to stay away here. You know, I just, I have futures on both teams. I have the bears over seven and a half. They need to win this game for any hope of that. I have the Browns futures to make the playoffs and to win the, um, win the AFC, um, AFC North. So I'm just going to stay away. And then either way, I'm going to be in a good position here. We got the Titans hosting the Texans. Is it going to be your beautiful long necked buddy Davis Mills starting for the Texans? I think it is. It's looking like it is. Um, you know, just Stroud is concussion protocol, so that's most likely. I mean, he's fourteen and twelve as a dog. Davis Mills seven and six on the road. Vrabel forty six percent ATS as a favorite. Um, laying three or more forty one percent ATS. Texans injuries. Texans are banged up. I mean, Dude. no, no Collins, no Dell. Uh, Last you know, week those- they didn't have Schultz, Dell, Collins, and then. Stroud got hurt at the end. That was one of those games where, like, we knew it was going to be a bad spot for them, and then all these other injuries started popping up against one of the best coverage teams in the league. So you got nobody there to get open against a really good Jets defense, and then all of a sudden, Zach Wilson had the best game of his career. That was one of those, like, burn-the-film games for the Texans, I think. Like, I won't take a lot out of that game except for the injuries, right? Those are all real. Those are, like, the real, real issues right now for them. I mean, it's just their season's kind of unraveling right now, and their lack of depth depth is starting to become a thing. Uh, looking at Mills, Mills' first game against the Titans, electric, 25 for 28. Um, no, they sorry, they lost 25-28, but he was 23 for 33, 70% completion, threw for over 300, three tutties, no INTs. But last year, last year, very pedestrian. You know, they went one and one. Completion percentage, 61 and 59. His highest was throwing for 178 yards. So I don't know what we're going to get here from Davis Mills. I don't know. And it's Vrabel's proven. You can't really trust him as a favorite. I kind of just want to stay away here. Me too. Um, I've been I've been pretty impressed, I will say, just overall with Levis. Like, he kind of, um, I think the guy, uh, Sam, on, on PFF mentioned this. He's like, if Baker Mayfield was good, or I mean, if Baker Mayfield was bigger and had a better arm, that would be Will Levis. It was sort of like, he's got that kind of gamer in him, right? Like he's super intense. He's running around. Like he's the type of guy who picks your team up in a game when they're flat. And like, he's a good guy. I, I think he can, he's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. I think he's actually a dude. Like he makes some of the throws. I don't know if he's going to be like a top five guy, but. Mayo but, and the coffee, man. Mayo yeah, and the coffee. That was the that was disgusting. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, that was disgusting. But he just can't I, can't see with him because of that. In in a, oh I know. In in a year where we see some bad quarterback play out there, I mean, compare what we've seen from him to uh Bryce Young, right? Oh, yeah. like, I mean, like he's always the Panthers are always gonna be like, hey, you know what, we had a chance to take him. Any and, of these guys, right? Like, yeah. and like this is kind of what we got. Um, it, it was a phenomenal plus fourteen cash money for me because you know what? You deserved anyone that backed the Titans there. The Miami Dolphins didn't deserve either of those two scores to get up by fourteen. It was a tie game when the and the Titans were getting the ball back with a chance to take the lead, and they got gifted. Miami got gifted touchdown, touchdown, and still couldn't stop them. Yeah. Um. Look, I've targeted 
wide receivers against this Titans secondary, but with Davis Mills throwing, no Nico, no tank. I don't trust Noah Brown, who's banged up. This game is just going to be a straight stay away from me. Yeah, me too. Lots of questions marks there. Let's move to the Chiefs at the Patriots. Chiefs are an eight and a half point favorite here on the road. Over under in this game, only 37. Even with that bad offense, they've they've you know still got a big number up here. Uh, what worries me a little bit about this game, I mean, I'm not laying the number with the Chiefs. The the only concern I have with being on the Patriots side, because I'm always going to be on a side like the Patriots in a game like this, is narrative Mahomes seems pissed, just like based on what's going on. And that's a little narrative Like, I could see this being like an FU game from him where he just sort of dials it back a little bit and Andy Reid was pissed and they just have like one of those games where they want to come out and, and prove a point. But, but like, then I battle back. It's like, I don't know if they've got the guys on this team to do that, Eric. Kelsey's, like, I don't, you know. He's washed in my eyes. Like, I like, said it there was a Hail Mary play against the Packers. I talked about it on my podcast, my stream. He's washed. He's done. He just he's doesn't done, have it. He just the, doesn't the have separation. It. The guy's got a lot yeah. of mileage, and they don't have, like, Kelsey, he's needing to be in a, like, he's he's having to be in a role that's not, he's never really been in before. And, like, you talk about this all the time. He's not a separator. You need speed guys there to keep the rest of the defense honest. And then Kelsey can win you like the jump ball. You know, like he can he can be a possession guy as he gets older. But right now you're trying to have him be like your number one wide receiver. And he's not a play like a breakaway guy at all. He's not fast at all. He was injured coming into the year. And now he just doesn't have the compliments around him. I'm just kind of talking myself back and forth with this game, though, because, you know, like, Zappy looked good. I, I know you're on the Patriots, right? You got to be on the Patriots here, right? Yeah, I got it at nine and a half off the openers. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not I'm not laying it with the Chiefs. It's just my only concern with being on the side you are is the narrative E is, like, if Reed is pissed and Mahomes is mad and they come out and we get, like, the very, very best version of them and, and they get – up by 14 early does new england even give an f you know uh, they can backdoor it there i just i'll be a rooting for you on your side here especially with the better number at nine and a half like at seven and a half and above i'd definitely be wanting to get on the Patriots side but the way they've been talking about the refs and that crap and i never saw mahomes that mad in a game and that wasn't and that wasn't like just that game, right? That was like a buildup of the whole year of him feeling frustrated with his own team. Yeah, he he struck me as a kid throwing a fit. Like a rich kid. he knows he's wrong and he can't do anything about it. I know. The, like the some of his reasoning was just, it was like the play didn't mean anything or it didn't really matter. Like if you, the only thing that can be said after that play because the guy was off sides right he was off sides Andy Reid made a comment like well normally they'll give me a warning and tell me if someone was lining up off sides well yeah but what if it's not something that's happening over and over people were upset that he asked the ref if he was on or off all that stuff the only thing that even that I can get on board with is why'd you let the play go on 
Call that thing dead. You always call those dead right away, like a lot of the time, especially if it's an offsides on the offense to where they're not getting a free play. To where and that, so that's I mean, my only thing I would say is sure. Why did you let it go? Because that's what Peyton said. Peyton was just like, why did they let the play go on for that long? That would be my only thing. But everything else is like, no, it was a penalty. It should have yeah. been called a penalty. And then they had two plays after that. It's amazing how he didn't throw his fit. Until until after those after two. the fourth half. Um, he didn't throw the fit right then. Yeah. You know, that was kind of kind of funny to me. In terms of this game, look, it just comes back to the numbers. You got Mahomes, 48% ATS as a favorite, 49 as a road favorite. Three, three and a half or more, 46, 44 road favorite, three and a half or more, 45% favorite, seven or more, road favorite, seven or more, down to 33%. This Patriots defense is phenomenal. They're without their best two players, and it's still a top 10 defense. And with how putrid the Chiefs offense has been, I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything against it. And the Chiefs defense, it can be run on, and that's what the – um, Patriots are going to want to do with Zeke Elliott. They're just going to turn around, hand it off short stuff to Hunter Henry across the middle. I like the Patriots here. I think they're going to be able to keep the ball within the number. I think this is way too much. And this chiefs are winning on, are getting these numbers because kind of like, Oh, Mahomes is pissed. Mahomes is fired up. He's playing a top 10 defense. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like he's going out there to play. I the Carolina Panthers whose defense is putrid and they can just walk up and down the field on they're going to play a top 10 defense, which has looked great, which is holding explosive offenses under 10 points or 10 points like the chargers. I, I like the Patriots here. Anything over a touchdown. The key is, can you get another just decent game from their offense, which has been putrid? Zappi was graded quarterback 11 on the week. He completed 14 of his first 21 passes for 196 yards and three touchdowns. A couple really nice passes. Then he took a sack in the second quarter, and it looked like he might have hurt his elbow a little bit. Because after that, he was only 5 of 7 for 44 yards and an interception. They went 75 yards on the opening drive to score a touchdown, and they got up early 21-3 in the game. And then they kind of stalled in the second half they were shut out but they won that game with three wide receivers active with their number one running back out with their left tackle out with a backup quarterback on the road in a short week so for all the crap he's been getting recently belichick still has something there and it always Uh, amazes me people are like make a coaching switch okay who who in the middle of the year right now who but like who's gonna be better even next year who Who? Who? who's the guy you're gonna have come in that's gonna be better nobody I mean, no. you stick with Belichick until he elects he wants to hang it up. Exactly. We go to the Giants at the Saints. Tommy freaking DeVito. Tommy Cutlets. Three straight wins for the Giants. And Did you, you know see what? that get up he had when he entered the arena, the, the stadium? Dude, dude, oh. it was unbelievable. And then the like the the um the family with the, the tailgate agent. before yeah. the game there I'll get the cutlets the agent who just looks like he's a character out of a movie just like I mean, we were saying totally, they're totally playing it up and oh absolutely and they're and you know you could tell the family's having 15, 15 minutes of fame and they're 100%. A- you and you know just like we said with the pastronaut with Dobbs you don't know how long it's gonna go for you right yeah. that you you take advantage of it. It's, it's because it's, it's in New York too with the Italian thing. So they're really leaning into it. But, but so for all the funny, goofy stuff, 
let's say this. Uh, his last three starts, he's graded quarterback number 13. He has five touchdowns, no interceptions. Four big-time throws, two turnover-worthy plays. Uh, he only had four incomplete passes in the game last week, and he led the Giants to 367 total yards, 6.7 yards per play. The Packers only had 4.9 yards per play. They ran for 209 yards rushing, did the Giants, and DeVito had 71 yards rushing on 10 carries. Barkley had another 86 himself. Their defense played really well. Even with the missed field goal, Giants were up five with a chance to run out the game. Barkley trips an unlucky fumble, gives the Packers an opportunity to score a go-ahead touchdown. They do. Giants get the ball back, and they go eight plays, 57 yards in a minute 33, and they kick a game-winning field goal. You know, it was nice to see them use some of their weapons. Wandale Robinson looked healthy. He had a bad injury, and he was he was out for a while over the last couple of years, but he had six catches, 79 yards. He also had two carries for 36 yards. I was hearing some cool stories about him. Um, I think it was also on the, the Pro Football Focus podcast. They were talking about how, like, his transition in college, how initially when he got recruited, they wanted him to be a running back, and he changed. He's like, I'm a little small. I don't want, like, to get all those – hits as a five, eight running back. And then when he transferred to Kentucky, that was when he became more of a receiver. And you know, the guy is just, he's a good weapon to have. And now, you know, you have a guy like him and you have Hyatt and you have Barkley back all of a sudden their defense is playing a little bit better. We're reminded that, Hey, Dable is just one year out from being a really good coach. He can't be that bad of a coach, right? Like this team's looked a lot more competent, Eric. This number to me is way too high for a Saints team who has not been very good offensively. They have 13 straight games without an opening drive touchdown. Um, they missed a 29-yard field goal in that game last week. They took advantage of a bad Panthers team. That score looks way, way different than it was. Uh, they only had 207 total yards in the game. It was an eight-point game with eight minutes left to go, and the Saints scored two late touchdowns. So it looked like they blew them out. Um, it, they benefited from a muffed punt earlier in the game that gave them a touchdown. They were outgained by over 100 yards, and they allowed 200 yards rushing. And we're going to look at a Giants team that just ran the ball really, really well all over the Packers. And, you know, for all the, the jokey Tommy DeVito stuff, at like four or above, I'd be no. in. Uh, like just anti-Saints. I'd like what we've seen recently from the Giants overall. And I've not been impressed with this Saints team throughout most of this year. I'm on the Giants here. Yeah, like I really don't know what to do here. I mean, I felt the Saints got a little lucky against the Panthers, as we talked about earlier. Giants played a great game, but, you know, they just upset the Packers as a seven-point dog at home. You know, That was another one where it was like a great spot against the Packers, right? We just knew the Packers were getting too much love, and they shouldn't have been a touchdown favorite on the road like that at this point. And then you look at it, you know, Allen's sixth least profitable coach in the his since 2005. Dennis Allen of the Saints. Six is an absolute huge number for the team that's bottom five in the NFL in red zone efficiency. That means they're going to be kicking threes. How are they going to be able to cover this big number? Uh, Saints do struggle against the run. Huge Saquon Barkley game. You can lean on him. Superdome, tough place. This is probably going to be the toughest place DeVito has played in. Is he going to be able to control the line, make the cadence switches and everything? Saints are insanely banged up. I mean, I think seven's going to be my buy-in. Like, if I can get the Giants at seven, I'll take that. But I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I feel the Saints are a little bluffy, but I also feel like 
after the big Giants win, it's a good time to fade them. If I can get the seven here, I'll be at this, but I'm, I'm probably going to sit this one out. Let's get to the Jets at the Dolphins. Man, here's another one with this Dolphins team. That that was one of the worst losses I can remember a team having for if for the Dolphins because they didn't play well. They were gifted two separate touchdown gifts in the fourth quarter to put them up by 14 that they did not deserve. And they all they needed to do was get one stop against the Titans. They couldn't stop them or the two-point conversion or a two-point conversion. For me, the biggest takeaway of the game is I totally underestimated how good Tyreek Hill is. Tyreek oh, Hill. He should be the MVP this year. Makes Tua to what he Everything. Is. Everything. I was never a big Tua guy. I was anti No, no, never. And what Tyreek Hill is able to elevate Tua to, we saw what Tua is without Tyreek Hill. And – you know, it kind of, and now we kind of see Mahomes struggling. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it kind yeah. of makes you appreciate how good Tyreek Hill is. We really don't know what's going on with him, but we do know that the Jets are the best in the NFL in yards allowed per game to opposing wide receivers. And we just saw Jets, them completely lock down the Texans when those guys got banged up. They just destroyed and, the Texans. But the one thing is, though, is the Dolphins do have Raheem Mostert do have a chain who can run the ball in the Jets. They got a better running game, much better. Rushing production. Center's so, out for the Dolphins yeah. too, right? He's done for the year. I just, to me, I look at it like this. I The spot, you can make an argument to fade the Jets after coming off that big win at home yep. against the Texans. Zach Wilson's coming spot. off his best game he's ever had in his whole career, I'd, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is looking good, dude. He looked really good. Yeah. And I was happy for him. I was happy me for too. him to come off. And do what he did. Um, in terms of the Dolphins, man, like they just they look be so careful. bad Tyreek Hill. It's really tough. And call me crazy. I think the Bills are actually alive to win the East. I think dude, this game is lo- this isn't a up. good game for the Dolphins with their injuries they have right now. And like if if Hill's not one hundred percent with the Jets coverage and how good they are, you pointed that out. And if if Wilson can build off that game, like this is no easy game for them. Remember how much this game flipped in the Black Friday game when they threw that when he threw that pick six that became an interception. The game was actually close with Boyle in the game. And then that pick six interception just flipped it. And yeah, man, and the Dolphins still got who the Ravens and the Bills to come. Yeah. I mean, they they got a tough schedule. They got the but... Cowboys too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just They could lose 3. Like this is their yeah, I know. I know what you're saying, though. You feel like you got the big effort from the Jets last week, and it was a great spot for them. So it's it's nerve wracking wanting to go back in for them. I'd be if if you're in like one of those pools where you're forced to pick a side or whatever. I'm definitely on the Jets side here. Um, but man, yeah, like I, I'm I'm a little worried about this Dolphins team, and you and I haven't been all that high on them. The Jets have gone 39 straight games without allowing a 300 yard passer. Their defense. Um, Zach Wilson was graded quarterback four on the week last week. So they're playing well right now. And the Dolphins, that was a bad game for them. Even after lose, like they didn't look good the whole game. Got a gift and then blew it late. So up next, it's, go ahead. Anything to me, this is, you know, play some Raheem Mostert rushing props. Um, even if he'll plays, 
hope that Hill gets announced in just because then they're still going to, they're going to be juiced out a little bit, but in terms of side, it's, it's really tough here to do anything. Packers came back to life a little bit. They had some mistakes last week that really cost them a uh, muff punt, bad sack in a red zone possession. Then they, it forced them into a field goal instead of a touchdown. Then later in the game, another sack in a red zone possession cost them points with a longer than needed missed field goal. It's, but even with all their mistakes, they were the beneficiary of a fumble that turned into a touchdown and they took the lead late in the game, but the defense couldn't hold the giants who drove down and kicked the game winning field goal. Love who has been incredible for the last like three to four week stretch. He was so bad in the first half. He had a 48 PFF grade. He was much better as the game went on, but he was so bad in the first half that it just put him in a really bad position. And you could tell he took him a while to get back into rhythm. Um, One thing that they're noticing and I'm, I'm reading about it that, he just is someone you pointed this out exactly last week too. So I'll give you some credit. He abandons his mechanics too much. Like that moon ball he throws and you'll get it lucky with some of those like YOLO plays, but there's a reason why there aren't that many guys like Mahomes out there. Like you're not going to get away with that type of stuff. A lot of the time I saw that with the Caleb Williams guy at USC this year, even with a super talented guy, like you're not always going to be able to do that. And now the bucks are, you're uh your division leader right now. If the playoffs started today, they're in. They're three and one in division games. They went on a 12 play, 70 yard drive late in the game to put them up and get the victory. Baker had a really nice throw with 34 seconds left. Their run game was able to wear down the Falcons later in the second half, and it was actually their first game this year they've won when they've allowed more than 20 points. Any opinion? Bucks at the Packers. Packers are a three and a half point favorite here. If you if you would go back and talk to me at the beginning of the year, and I would say at week 15 that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are my new favorite team in the NFL, I would be completely awestruck. You I are cooking it up love, with Baker Mayfield. I love what this team is doing. We need to realize that the last three games, they completely, during the midseason, we got to give their OC credit, change their run scheme. And we can see it paying dividends. The last three games, White is averaging 95 yards per game, 4.8 yards per carry. And the Packers are absolutely putrid against the run. You can't run on them. If they're getting ahead of the sticks, I don't think the Packers' defense is going to be able to create stops. And then you have Kate Otten, Michael Williams, and Chris Godwin. And Baker, you can say, well, I'm not a big Baker guy, but three and a half or more on the road as a dog. He is 65% against the number. I don't think the Packers should be laying three here. I think they're a little bit overvalued. I think the defense is going to be able to get to love for some of those balls off his back foot. And the Buccaneers DBs are starting to get a little more healthy. I'm so can, can, three and a half. can they just run the ball a little bit? We saw the Packers were awful against the run last week. They've been a notoriously bad against the run team, even over the last few years. I completely agree with you. I'm on the buck spot here at three and a half, three. I'm fine with, but three and a half is the number I'm looking for. That's the one I really want here. Yeah. Uh, let's go Tampa. I'm, I'm even sprinkle a little money line here on, on the plus plus one forty five Cause I agree with you. I think Tampa's playing for a playoff spot right now too. Both, both green Bay and Tampa are, but they're your division leader. They're playing well. We move to the 49ers at the Cardinals. 49ers are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Got to give credit to Purdy. He's second in the league in passing yards. 
with while well, he's 17th in passing attempts. Just incredible efficiency. Number one in DVOA among quarterbacks. Uh, Shanahan, Key, Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey, a defense that takes pressure off you. They had a good article um, on uh, in the DVOA section of uh, FTN where DVOA is now. That a good comparison because Jimmy G was so good last year in the advanced metrics. It compared the 49ers to the Minnesota Vikings from 1997 through 2000. They had four quarterbacks finish in the top five of uh, passing metrics in four straight years, and they were four different quarterbacks. And that was because you had Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Jake Reed. You also had Robert Smith in the backfield and a really good offensive coordinator in Billick, right? So you you have a situation where it's like a perfect storm. You get really good playmakers, a good run game, good good weapons, and on top of that, you need the good play caller, the good coordinator, the guy to set it all up, which the 49ers have with Shanahan. I mean, the 49ers averaged 9.9 yards per play last week, but it was kind of weird. They scored a touchdown on the opening drive in two plays, 75 yards. Following that, their numbers weren't great on the down to down. I got to give Seattle credit. They really did play hard in that game because the 49ers scored a touchdown and then they go three and out, punt, three and out, punt, four plays, interception. At that point, Seattle actually took the lead, 10-7. One more touchdown put the 49ers up by four at halftime. Seattle tried to keep the game close, but a quick three-play, 75-yard touchdown just really put the game away and gave Seattle uh, gave the the 49ers a 12-point lead with 14 minutes left to go in the game. 49ers were first in the week in EPA per play. I mean, it was the massive plays, but they were only 12th in success rate. In a game, they had to punt it five times. All of their weapons had a catch or a run longer than 44 yards. They had eight plays of 25 plus yards. McCaffrey was awesome. He had 153 total yards. Ayuk had 126 yards on six catches. Debo has been incredible. Seven catches, 149 yards. Uh, He also had a carry and he had two touchdowns in the game. Kittle had three receptions for 79 yards. So McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, Kittle. Those guys had 34 out of 42 touches in the game. Purdy had two carries. And other than that, it's like all you're doing is just giving it to studs. It's a, it's unbelievable, like, the weapons and, and how good this team can be at their best. Um, they've won five games in a row for the second time this year. Debo picked up two third and 11 conversions. They will catch a Cardinals team that is coming off a bye, and the 49ers had, you know, kind of like a – a big get-up game, I think, a few weeks uh, ago against the Eagles. And this is sort of a flat spot for them before you have a few more important games. They are still playing for the number one spot, but this is that flat spot for them. Can you get on the Cardinals side here off the bye, Eric? No, I got my Seahawks plus the plus the 14 last week. If this gets up to 14, I'll get involved. But right now, this is a dead number to me. Um, this 49ers team has just been a train they are like 70% ATS the last two years covering these absolutely big numbers. Um, Murray has struggled against the 49ers. I don't think the Cardinals have enough people on the defensive end to cover all the weapons that you mentioned for the 49ers. If this gets to 14, it's a principle. That's my buy-in point too. I'll take the Cardinals. But right now, you know, I am just completely – sitting back at it. Maybe look for McBride. He had uh, seven for uh, last time we saw the Cardinals. 
McBride had five first down receptions of the seven first downs they had passing. He ended up with 13 catches for 89 yards. Um, the only worry with McBride is Fred Warner is, is electric darting the tight end. The 49ers 34.89, 34.8, excuse me, yards per game to opposing tight ends. That is the second best, the only team that allow that gives up less large yards, excuse me, to the tight end is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's just, it's really tough because Warner is just so good in that passing game to trust, trust McBride in my eyes. The rest of the weapons there. Connor was fine. Uh, he was bit, they had a bad drop from Rondale Moore. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I want to be on the Cardinals spot, but the numbers not. It's just because the 49ers are really good. Like, I do think right now, as a complete whole, they have, like, if everybody's healthy, they have the best roster and they deserve to be, like, favored to win the Super Bowl. But they're overinflated now because, like, they're starting to get to the point where everybody everywhere is just like, they can't be beat. And it feels like things are going almost too well for them right now with still four games left to go. Like, I don't want to root for anyone to get hurt or anything, but like McCaffrey's been super healthy right now. They are one of the healthiest teams in the whole league right now. Yeah. And I mean, um, they're the way the right. ro- roster is constructed, even if guys in the offensive end go down, that defensive line is just so electric. And they, I mean, and they added some pieces this year. Like they keep, they've added some key defensive weapons, guys that, I'm sure you're, you would have liked for the Lions to add one or two of those pieces, yeah. like guys that were out there that you could have got, anyone could have got, and they went and just stacked themselves up. Uh, we move next, Eric, to the Rammies, uh, Washington at the Rams. I mean, I've been so impressed with the Rams this year. Stafford's number nine in passing grade on the year. Couple insane stats for them. Um, with a healthy, Stafford, Cup, Nakua, and Kyron Williams. So those four guys. Quarterback, two receivers, and a running back. This team is really good. So if you only include the snaps that Stafford has played, they're fourth in success rate and EPA per drive this year. Just just Stafford. If you include the snaps with all four of those guys that I mentioned, they are number two in success rate this year offensively. Only behind the 49ers. Big... This team is good offensively. They've got weapons. Nakua came out of nowhere. Kyron Williams sort of came out of nowhere. And they still have a very capable quarterback when he's healthy that can make really good throws. He's a smart dude. You saw the guy that's been through a lot. And McVay, well, he gets a little cute in weird spots. He's still a very good play caller and like a play designer and an offensive mind. A little bit cute in like when when the kick when to go for it, that kind of stuff. But I, I really have been impressed with them. And you look at their losses too. Like they lost to San Francisco in a game when they outgained the 49ers. They lost by three at the Bengals, by nine to the Eagles. They lost to the Pittsburgh when Kyron Williams was hurt. They got beat up at Dallas and Stafford was hurt. And then they lost with Ripien at Green Bay. They've won three of the last four and their lone loss was in overtime against the number one seeded Ravens in a game where the Rams scored 31 points and had 400 yards of total offense. All the positives, all that being said, feels like a number that's a little bit big here for the Rams. I'm, I'm kind of in a stay away spot. Talk to us about this one. I mean, last three games, 45-15 against the Finns, 45-10 against the Cowboys, 31-19 against the Giants. If there ever is a team that's just limping to the end, it's the Commanders. 
we need to remember that this team has a whole new ownership. All these coaches are gone. And I'm telling anyone right now, as soon as these books start pu- putting prices on next coach, the enemy to the Bears, absolutely hammer it. That's who the next coach of the Chicago Bears is going to be. I actually kind of like the Rams here. Anything o- under seven, just because Dude, they've been they've been that. good, Eric. Like those metrics are good. This this would be a scary team to play in the playoffs. Um, Jake O'Kane, who was on my show on Tuesday night, he's adamant that they're the fourth best team in the NFC. They're going to be the team in the NFC that no one wants to play against because you have Puka, you have Williams, you have Cooper Cup. Cup uh, looked healthy just, last week too. That was like the healthiest he's looked in a in like a month and a half or two. I just, in my end, I don't like laying these big numbers. If I were to, I'd lay the six and a half. Um, but I will probably play some cup overs, probably cup to get a hundred yards receiving. I'll look to, I'll look to go do those props in the, in this situation. A couple more games to get to. We got a big one with the Cowboys at the Bills here, Eric. Bills are a two point favorite in this game, over under 50 and a half. Uh, Bills come off their massive win to keep them in playoff hopes alive got up to an early 14 point lead. And that was the game with all the drama with the chiefs. Um, they got a big game from cook who had 83 receiving yards. And they, you pointed out, they've been getting him a lot more involved. I think they want to get digs more involved here. I, I think this is going to be a big digs game. They're going to try to get him involved. And, you know, Gilmore was fantastic last week for the Cowboys uh, defending AJ Brown. So we'll see if digs can get some separation here. Do you have a strong opinion one way or the other? These two games, it's funny because these two teams both come off of really big, like emotional wins that were huge for them. It feels like a flat spot where I'd like to play against both of them, but they both still have a ton to play for. Yeah, I actually like the Bills here. I got them at one and a half. I think this is more of a flat spot for the Cowboys because the Cowboys are kind of locked in the playoffs. Just they got that the- monkey off the back, right? That yeah. was like, got to beat the Eagles. They need, They more than anything needed to prove that they're capable of beating a good team. And it did feel like that was like weeks and months all put into that game against the Eagles where everything went perfect for them. And when you look at it, Josh Allen, three point favorite or less 62% against the number. Allen is a monster. The second half of the season, he covers as a favorite, a 67% rate, 65% ATS in the, in general, since week 12 are on all Josh Allen does is cover as a favorite selling point as the Cowboys are coming off a win at home against the Eagles where they blew him out. Prescott is a road dog getting three points or less is only 25% ATS. I think the bills will be able to have success throwing the ball, namely to James cook. Who's been featured in the passing game since Brady is taking over Cowboys do struggle defending running backs in the passing game. I think Miller and Oliver will have success getting to Prescott. Prescott historically does struggle with pressure in his face. I think he'll struggle here. Plus, the Cowboys also give up an insane amount of rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks. Allen's going to be able to extend play. Allen's going to be able to extend with his legs here. Bills are one of the most unluckiest teams in the NFL. If there's going to be a team that just gets a ton of positive turnover aggression to close the season, it's going to be the Bills. And Gilmore does well with big physical wide receivers. The faster guys are harder for him. Fastest guys with the speed, which Diggs brings to the table, he's going to struggle with. Um, I like the Bills here. Anything I'm on the – yeah. It feels like it's just the spot for the Bills here. Uh, also, let's go to the Ravens at the Jags. So, 
Ravens are a three-point favorite on the road in this game. They're coming off their win in overtime against the Rams last week. Lawrence did play for the Jags last week. Mo, like watching him, he didn't look like it was all that. It, it was bothering him all that much, but he wasn't good. Like he was bad in the game overall. Uh, he ended up finishing twenty-eight of fifty. He was graded quarterback number thirty on the week. He got better as the game went down, uh, as the game went on, but. He had three interceptions in the game. And I think what they really, again, this is something that you have pointed out to me a lot. Guys are are so important in their roles. They didn't have Christian Kirk in this game. They tried to put Zay Flowers in the Christian Kirk role, and it just didn't work. Um, he was targeted on incomplete passes, third and nine, fourth and three. He had a third and eight that they failed on a completion there. Like they were looking to him in that role, and he just didn't fill the role at all. Um, you know, the defense actually did a pretty good job stopping the run last week against the Browns, which gives me some positives leading into this game against the Raiden, uh, the Ravens. They only allowed 82 yards rushing uh, on 28 attempts for 2.9 yards per carry. They took advantage of, of short fields on a couple of Browns turnovers. The Jags themselves only had 293 total yards and, uh, and four yards per play in that game. The Ravens won on that punt return, but they allowed the Rams to finish third in the week in EPA per play, seventh in the week in success rate. They needed a late touchdown to take the lead in that game. And then in overtime, they were the beneficiary of a block in the back that didn't get called on their punt return for them to win. So, I mean, the spot here is Jacksonville for me. I, I Did you did you get to the Jags in here? Did you get a better number? Talk to us about this game, Eric. I thought it was criminal what uh, Peterson did rolling out um, Lawrence. Obviously not 100%. No, I mean, it just... Um, He's forcing the ball to Zay Jones way too much. I don't understand his reads. I don't understand his progressions. To me, the Jags are the equivalent to the Lions of the AFC. Just a team that's winning games, but a team that we, deep down when you look at it, too many holes to win it all. Um... Flip side, do you trust Lamar going on the road? Lamar, three points, that's the thing. Three points or less, Lamar is an absolute dog covering these games. Historically, so is Harbaugh. But do you trust them going down south to Jacksonville? Um, I don't know. I really, to me, this is just a pure stay away. I really probably won't even end up watching this game. I'll go to bed early. I just, I don't have a feel for it. I, I just don't have a feel for it. Just because the pass funnel system that Jags run, Jags are good against the run that feeds to the middle, but there's no Mark Andrews. So you know what I mean? The Jet, how the Ravens are lined up to win the game is with Andrews there, but there's no Andrews and likely plays on the outside more, doesn't line up inside. So I don't know how the Ravens are going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, thanks for uh uh correcting me on that one too. I kept saying we're talking about the Ravens. I kept saying Zay Flowers, Zay Jones is oh. who uh uh Lawrence was uh was peppering it to quite a bit. And they just out of out of role there like you said and you, you get to see I, you didn't need him in that game that was what frustrated me because like you can't have Lawrence get hurt he's your guy he's your franchise right now like you can't have this guy get hurt I, I agree with you I, I didn't like the fact that he was out there like if any spot I would be on the Jags here I want the 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 hook if possible so I'll wait if I can get it great if not I won't need to, to feel like I have to dive in here as we move to Monday night football, Eric, the Eagles coming off their back-to-back losses. They are a four-point favorite on the road here at Seattle in a game where 
Seattle really has to try to win this game if they have any opportunity. They're coming off four losses in a row. It's the first four-game losing streak in the Pete Carroll era after a 6-3 and three start. Um, Locke actually played pretty well throughout a lot of that game. He completed 16 of his first 22 passes, 215 yards, two touchdowns. After his second touchdown, they were only down by five, but he threw two interceptions in the final 14 minutes of the game. Also got sacked three times late in the game. The defense battled hard on the down-to-down. They, they couldn't stop explosive plays. San Francisco had to punt five times, but they allowed 527 total yards in that game. Witherspoon got injured mid-game. DK was really frustrated on the sideline, and then he ends up getting ejected. He only caught two ca- uh, passes in the first quarter, nothing else the rest of the game. So the Eagles, they've lost their last two by a combined 43 points. They weren't as good as they looked early in the year. I don't think they're as bad as they've looked the last couple of years, the last couple of weeks now. I think it's sort of flipped back. It's one of those things where like they were getting the beneficiary of the luck and then like all like the lucky bounces bounced against them the last two weeks. They have legitimate concerns on their defense. Legitimate. Uh, they're going to get a little bit better, I think, as Leonard gets involved more only because they're they were putting out such bad level of defenders that he's going to be a raise. I don't think he's like fantastic or necessarily a game changer or anything. And I do think this veteran team will be able to figure some things out. Like I trust in Hurts. I actually think Sirianni's a pretty good coach. Um and they've got some weapons and pieces. I got no idea what the hell to do in this game though, Eric, because yeah, both I, of these teams really need it. Yeah, Seattle's really bad against the run. So obviously I'm gonna be looking at DeAndre Swift numbers. I think this is a good bounce bad game for him. I think they're going to lean on the run a lot. One thing that's important to remember with the Eagles, from what I've been told, is they are the most analytical team in terms of putting together game plans. Um, And I think with that being said, that kind of takes me to the Swift idea, just because Seattle is putrid against the run. I'll tell you what, as much as everyone gives shit to DK Metcalf, He's going to be one guy I'll always take on my team because he's going to hold you accountable. He got in Warner's face because let's 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 just peep the situation here. It's a two-score game. The game is over. DK is going to tackle you. Why the living hell are you laddering the lateraling the ball? You know what I mean? It wasn't it, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing there? DK tackled him. Then Warner came up and made a cheap shot on him. DK stood up. I have no problem with DK did at the end of the game, as crazy as it sounds because he stood up for himself and he's going to hold those guys accountable. Luck did look better. He just, how can I say this? He's a little bit too loose cannon. If you yeah. just kind of yeah. roll it in a little bit and have a bigger dude, base his guy, arm, like he throws the ball as hard as maybe any quarterback out there in a good and bad way. Like sometimes you need to zing it, but sometimes I think he just throws it too hard for guys that are right there. Like he has a cannon. He really does. He's oh, like he one of those his hips. It's great how he throws, but it's that just was a dude. He forward. it was a tough spot for him too. He did play really well. Like I really got to give him credit. And then it was late in the game when you just feel like he got to start forcing things. There he turned the ball over, but yeah, I don't know what to do here. I, I'm I'm uh, staying away from Swift props for me. That's it. Eric, you and I are going to team up on Saturday morning at around 11.15 Eastern time because there are three Saturday games this week. So we're going to preview those three games, and then we'll go through our whole Sunday uh, preview as well, and then I will replay the Sunday portion of it 
on Sunday morning again at 11 a.m. Eastern time for anyone who's used to uh, tuning in to us at that point on Sunday for the game. So this is the point of the year where those Saturday games all start. We'll have games coming up Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday this week. And I look forward to talking uh, Saturday with you. You'll have your normal podcast out this week on Friday night. Yeah, podcast hopefully will come out Friday. And, uh, you know, Scott Shapiro is this week's guest on Tuesday Awesome. Night. Awesome. Tell uh, Shappy hello. I think Scott was the first guest I ever had on That's What G Said podcast when I started back in the day. I uh, talked a lot of racing and some football with Scotty Shap. So, Eric, buddy, good luck to you. Uh, this week, we'll be tuning in and listening to Scott Schaap talk with you, and then I will talk some football with you on Saturday morning. We'll preview all of these games, and by that point, Saturday morning, we'll have an idea on some injury issues. We'll see if there's been any line movement. We can maybe give you a little extra help on some uh, players we'll be using in fantasy and in DFS. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, we'll be following you at ETOF21 and at ETOF21 Sports and other places on social media. Have a great rest of your night. Talk to you in the next few days. You too, my friend. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us. And, uh, yeah, make sure to tune in to Eric's podcast on Friday. Then come hang out with us on Saturday morning at 11.15-ish or so. I just have to finish one thing up early, and we'll be starting right around then and previewing your three Saturday games and all the Sunday games. It's time to head back into the MCU to discuss the latest Marvel project we have the marvels and like always tim kelly is here to join me to discuss everything any tv show any movie uh, special everything that happens in the world of the mcu and this one's interesting tim because we're in just like a totally different era in the mcu <laughs> kind of in the world of like how we yeah. um, how we uh, watch and consume content Right. A lot mm-hmm. more from at home, just overall, like going to the movies hasn't been quite as, um, you know, as popular. Uh, there haven't mm-hmm. been like there's so many more shows, sports, streaming services out there that it seems like all of the shows out there more so than just everything on Disney. But like everything gets watched a little bit less nowadays. Oh, yeah. Because there's yeah. just so much. <laughs> and you really see it in like mm-hmm. the, the numbers for the Marvels. I think some of it has to do with like weird backlash. Um, I, I was like kind of expecting this to be a really awful movie. And so I think mm-hmm. like my yeah. perception of it was pretty positive because I I didn't right. think it was awful at all. It's not perfect. There's no way. But I actually had a good amount of fun with it. This is a short movie. It's not even two hours. So mm-hmm. I think we'll have a lot of like positives, negatives to go back and forth with. But overall, I was just like thinking about the kind of the the bigger picture and how – Mm-hmm. Talking about this movie now is different than when you would have talked about a Marvel movie just a couple years ago. So true. I mean, context is really everything. We're right in the middle of kind of a dip for Marvel. They've been uh, public about things not being as successful recently. They've had a number of uh, misses at Disney, uh, you know, wholesale. Like the, the whole company has had miss after miss after miss with with. Um, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, all their top IPs have not had successes in the past year. Uh, and yeah, it's a very different landscape than when we first started doing this podcast, uh, you know, covering the, the Marvel stuff together. Uh, that was the, the, the dawn of these Disney Plus shows. And the, the, the Disney Plus uh, era has really changed the landscape quite a bit. And you're right. Uh, I think the mainstream is also kind of shrinking on, on a larger scale. It is. Uh, things are becoming Less more water cooler shows. Oriented. 
Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everything is into their niche, and there's so many avenues that people can explore. People are finding shows from 10 years ago that that were mainstream, and they're they're having resurgences. We've seen Suits absolutely really popular like 10 years after The Sopranos uh, c- mm-hmm. continues. So there's these waves, and and people go back, and and uh, you know it's it's hard to predict exactly what's going to be like the thing that's popping in the zeitgeist. Uh, you know, universally right now. And it seems like that just doesn't exist anymore, perhaps, uh, or it, it exists like much more rarely. Uh, but yeah, I think there's superhero fatigue that's that's having, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's affecting this. I think we've seen a lot of success from non-superhero films, comic book movies uh, that, uh, you know, Oppenheimer and Barbie this, this past year were major successes. Kind of fresh. Yeah, that's fresh, and like you, you, we can see from that that audiences want different. We love superhero movies when they're great, but if you just get, you know, a deluge of just nonstop mid to, you know, sometimes bad movies, the expectations go lower, the hype gets lower, and I think this movie suffered from a string of kind of, you know, disappointments. I completely agree. Kind of, I like this movie, you know, a little bit more than some of the movies that have come me, out in, me too. In, in Phase 4 and, and beyond. Um, and uh, But I think this movie suffered because of Ant-Man, and it suffered because of even stuff like Black Widow. And Secret Invasion. Trend, and Secret yeah. Invasion killed it. That, that's right? a big, big issue with this That was film. one of the sour, yeah. the most sour coming into this. And even when you think mm-hmm. about, like, because I think Secret Invasion hurt Loki, right? Like, I don't think there were as many people watching exactly like as many people like, ah, I'm super pumped for Loki now because they may have come off of a disappointment with Secret Invasion. Even, you know, the Guardians 3 was good, but Thor Love and Thunder was eh, right. Another one. So, like, we're starting to go where it's like every other one was sort of good, (laughs) bad, good, bad. Wakanda forever was really solid, kind of made you feel things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but even still not quite as good as some of the best of the MCU. I, I have yeah. to say, I, all, all and, these films haven't really reached the, the level. Uh, and I, I watched uh, Shang-Chi recently, and that was kind of the beginning of the, f- the films, you know, beyond Endgame. It wasn't the first one, but, you know, I, I still think even that one was better than a lot of the stuff that came after that. There's been like a... a, a a downhill slide for them. Sorry. Yeah, I and I think and I that. think it's funny because if we're talking like some of the 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 way this movie will be remembered, the Marvels, it had the lowest opening weekend for an MCU movie. If we were gonna go through and rank the movies based on which ones we thought should have had the mm-hmm. lowest opening weekend, this would not right. be one that I would have would have told you, you know, based on just like the quality of the movie and it being fun and everything. But mm-hmm. you know, it does need to be at least pointed out that there's also a thing with a movie like this where you get backlash from a lot of people because it's an all-female cast, right? Or, like, Mm -hmm. a very heavy female cast. It's a superhero Mm -hmm. team of all females, which I think is Mm -hmm. the first one that we've seen like this, where you have a full team of all women. Um, There was a woman director. that. Yeah, in the opening and the opening, uh, the Marvel logo is all the the women of the MCU, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the women of this movie, but also beyond that. I saw Koye in, in the letters and it was it was kind of reminiscent of that scene in Endgame that shot in Endgame more so where it was just like all the women walking side by side. And it was kind of like a message like, yeah, we're here. This is a new era. Uh, so that, that's yeah, definitely interesting, and there's some some going to be some backlash from probably the manosphere about that. Exactly. But what I 
and you and I have talked about this, and we're I think we are very fair about it too, and just trying to be like honest about the content we're watching. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't feel like with these characters it felt like forced or it felt like no. hey we're gonna make fun of a bunch of the men on this show or on this movie or anything like that. It didn't feel no. like that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a yeah. man hating movie or anything like that. It was just yeah. hey we have these strong female characters that are all different. Yeah. They have like have reasons to be connected here for this movie, and like it's a silly movie and it's kind of zany. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of places, like spots throughout the movie where this thing was edited. There was a lot of stuff cut oh, out. Yeah. It's a super oh, yeah. short movie, and you can feel huh. it in some spots. Mm-hmm. But then on yeah. the flip side, I do kind of like that they maybe played it a little safer in not like having mm-hmm. to tie themselves and marry themselves to a bunch of future stuff. You know, that we right. would have, like, rolled our eyes, and then you start playing the math, and, like, that doesn't make sense because they said this in that movie. So this mm-hmm. did just mm-hmm. feel like watching it, a coming-out party for Kamala Khan, honestly. Yes. Like, yeah. it did. It felt like, a, mm-hmm. like every, you know, I'm a sports guy, and, like, some years or some months or some, like, playoff runs, it'll be, like, you watch someone grow up. And develop mm-hmm. like this rookie or this young player that like takes the next step. I think of like Kobe, right. you know, stuff like that. And this is one where you you watch her and like every scene that she's in, she's mm-hmm. having so much fun that you can feel it. You can mm-hmm. actually feel that she's got her fingerprints all over this because she's such a fan herself of Marvel, the comics, everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's hard to play how she plays like a genuinely funny and and not be fake about it or or like not come off kind of phony. People can try to Mm -hmm. play nice or corny, but she just seems so genuine. And uh, we were texting, like, I thought this is the best and the most I've liked Captain Marvel and Brie Larson in the MCU Mm -hmm. by far. She was like the most human, like the watching her interact with with Kamala was just to me the best that I've seen of her. I, I totally agree. I think the one unanimous thing I, I heard about this movie was how much people came away liking Iman Vellani uh, and Kamala Khan as a character. Uh, even even uh, reviewers that really did not like this film and were ready to just slam it, that was like the one thing that they would say about it uh, that they, they thought was great. And she is truly a gift to Marvel as a studio, as a brand, because she works so well on screen within the context of her stories, you know, her show and this this film so far. Uh, but also the promotion stuff. Uh, she did some late night shows recently. It was just incredibly charming. She's done, you know, new rock stars interviews and she gets down, you know, in the trenches with the, the people covering this stuff. And she's she's one of them. You know, she's one of us. She's a she's a fan. Uh, she's a super fan of this stuff. She has opinions. She shares those opinions and she does it in a way that's like positive. Uh, and not condescending really to to the audience. She doesn't blame the audience for maybe not connecting with stuff. She's realistic about about things, and she sort of comes from the perspective of a fan, but she's within that universe, and she just, I don't know, she strikes the right chord, I think, for for most people, where people just come away going, I I like that. I like that girl. I want to see more of her. Um, She seems to me like she she will be, like, in a few years producing you know, to make yeah. part of it, like she will be one of the mm-hmm. main minds and voices in the MCU yeah. going forward if she wants in, to. In a way, she already is. She's already writing a run of comics with with them. So she's 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 building the blueprints for you know what they make the movies 
uh, from, you know? She's like so that, super vocal about like, hey, you know, that's not right. You know, like how she right. wants to fix certain things and like, you know, yeah, yeah. so like she's, she, you just talk about her. She's so great. Like she really, mm-hmm. really is. And like all throughout this movie, even when there's a lot of things that are not perfect, it gets mm-hmm. like the the mechanics, uh, like they're the power entanglement stuff can get a little confusing mm-hmm. here and there and and wonky. But yeah. she, when she shows up, you kind of like forgive some of that stuff because it is mm-hmm. it is fun. Like if you have a movie that's going to be not perfect, it has mm-hmm. to at least be fun. I think our buddy yeah. uh, Eric from New Rockstars, who uh, you and I have watched enough to feel like he's our buddy and, and oh, know yes. him, uh, yes, yes. he parasocial relationship with them, exactly. Sure. Right? Uh, <laughs> we we sit at home and we're we're uh, you know he's in our living room with us, so we're basically <laughs> friends, you know. And we're um, lying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he made a um, kind of like a comment. I think he tweeted this right when he came out of watching the movie, and and it made me. I think I saw the tweet, and it kind of made me like my perception of this a lot better. He said, this isn't supposed to be like a dream or fake. This is real. This all Mm -hmm. happened. But if you watch this movie from the perspective of like, this is Kamala Khan, like a super fan's dream of what happens. Like she gets to team up with her, her, with her, her hero. She gets to be a part of helping everything. She helps her hero, like get, get this relationship back on track with a former like family member. Mm -hmm. And, she just gets to interact in space, go all over her families around. We love the Con right. family. So we get to see a little bit of them, which is cool. Um, and they're just randomly there later, yeah, like, you know, coming up in a space elevator for yeah. like, no conceivable reason. <laughs> like, in, in space, you know. Um, there are a few things where it's like, just like that, where yeah, people are in logical. places or, yeah. <laughs> they're, or in, like, costumes or something where we didn't yeah. see what happened right before so it's obvious something has been yeah. cut out or or edited very, here um, very much so i felt like uh frequently disoriented in this movie and i yes. think a lot of that came from the studio interference there's a much longer cut from this and they went back and forth on you know trimming things and reshooting things and i could definitely feel those fingerprints on it i think in some ways it was for the for the best you know you kind of mentioned that things were breezy it was a nice running time not not too long but then yeah it left a lot of logic holes i felt mm-hmm. like maybe some things were left on the table that you know could have been explored a little bit more deeply a little bit more richly uh and i we could have gotten a, few, a little bit more character moments too between those three which had great chemistry in large part because of that the, the excitement that uh, Iman Balani's bringing to the table, just her enthusiasm for being with these people and that that fun dynamic. I mean, that that montage with them doing um, uh, hopscotch or what, what are the double oh, dutch jump, uh, rope. jump rope and stuff. That, oh that my great. gosh, that was great. That was so uh, good. Like, I, wanted, Galactic. I wanted a little bit more of that. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And the and the music. This is a fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's very Guardians of the Galaxy where yeah. it's fun. The pop music is really great. It all fits where it is. They the yeah. two that stand out were the Beastie Boys Intergalactic when they're mm-hmm. all learning how to use um learning how to control what is going on now. They're switching places right. anytime they each use their powers at the same time. And it's like a three-way switch. So they're learning yeah. how like okay, when I do this and you do this like we're gonna switch places, we're gonna end up here. Right. It's hilarious. It's a funny sequence. That one's great. And then with the flurgan with the cats, mm-hmm. where they all have to uh 
eat everybody in order to transport yeah. them, and we have memories from yeah. the play Cats going yeah, well. Iconic song. Like yeah. Kamala has a cat, and she's using it to just suck people up one at a time. Memories all alone, and just like going to the back. It's just yeah, really funny stuff. So they did a great job with perfect uh, music in a few spots in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it, well, it even, you mentioned it was kind of like Guardians. I also connected it a little bit to um, the Spider-Verse movies. It had a kind of a yeah. hip-hop feel to it, up, up, up-tempo or mid-tempo hip-hop. Uh, and it just kind of, yeah, it kind of had a, a nice momentum because of that, a driving uh, soundtrack. And I, I really, I, I did really enjoy that. The visuals, too, I thought it had a lot of great visual flair, some inspired moments. You mentioned the entanglement. Sometimes that really paid off on screen. I wish they did a little bit more conceptually with it. I thought as a concept, it was so, so rich and, and those sequences were great. Maybe a little bit too chaotic. The chaos was, was entertaining unto itself, but sometimes I felt like, I don't know, there should have been some more architecture to, to how they built out those, those scenes. And you could almost feel like in some, in some of those scenes, it's like, something's missing let's just speed this up and put some cool music yeah. on it you know what i mean and like yeah. we'll get through it you know and like come on yeah. like we'll yeah. cut back to kamala doing something silly and like we'll get through it and and i will say like there are parts where you could feel the holes but mm-hmm. if you're gonna try to cover up something they did a pretty good job of trying to cover a lot of it up with those things yeah. like Let's be flashy. Moving moving fast onto the next thing. Quick (laughs) move. Yeah, let's not stay in one place for too much. Like, let's get back to the central part of this movie, which is really like Mm -hmm. these three women who have a, a, they do have a good chemistry because their characters are different. I mean, anytime you put Mm -hmm. kind of the silly, goofy person with the straight person, and then you got, you interact that with like, a real serious relationship and this awkwardness between Monica and Carol. There's just fun dynamic between the three. Yeah. Of them. I agree. I agree. I think the drama between them was a little forced, uh, specifically the, the, the Monica uh, to Carol stuff. Like yes. to me that, that I didn't quite buy that to me. I, I was thinking the reactions weren't true to life. I, I couldn't, I, you know, there's that whole abandonment thing where Monica felt, I guess, abandoned by this like surrogate mother figure, this aunt figure in her life uh, who never came back. Uh, and yeah, I, I get that that would be very upsetting, perhaps traumatic and important, an important thing. But when she comes back to hold, to hold it against her in that way, uh, I feel like there would be more like excitement to see her, you know, it just didn't ring true for me and, I'll, and then I'll I didn't it, like but it just didn't I didn't yeah. buy it so much and then yeah. I even on the I completely agree and it even struck me on the opposite side from mm-hmm. Carol like mm-hmm. you're telling me that this girl's <laughs> mom's dead and you never even went back you were so ashamed right. that like right. you were yeah. that ashamed that you never could even go back and visit mm-hmm. her spy on her check on her leave her a note anything at all like yeah. that ashamed where you were just gone and then and then it was weird. It was like she went from being so ashamed to like, oh, she's on the phone. Let me or she's here. Let me talk to her. you. Know, like it was. It, that was it, very confusing. <laughs> like Wait, so, when they're all on comms in the beginning, uh, yeah, and they're doing like a three-way call. I I was like, were, were these two scenes that they ended up cutting that were separate that they cut together? Like was I didn't I didn't get it. Like me I, I honestly didn't understand how they were all three talking to each other, and then Carol doesn't say anything while Monica's just talking to 
Fury. It, it just it just seemed like those were two different scenes, and then they were like, oh no, we could make it like they're all talking together, and they did that in the editing room. That's that's my theory. I don't know if that there's any water to that, but um, yeah, it, it it was just it, it just felt like stuff was missing or absolutely um, implausible and not or not. Uh, set up in a way that it was made uh, believable always. And it's just like, yeah, the writers were like, yeah, we need them to do this. So these characters are going to behave this way and, and make these decisions. And it wasn't super tied to like, you know, logic or, no. or strong motivations. And so it, this was not a perfect movie, but, no. <laughs> but I think it hit on the fun stuff and mm-hmm. it, and it did a good job with like the fun and the funny to where, I'll compare it to one that didn't do as well for me with like Thor Love and Thunder, where yeah. a lot of the comedy felt just really forced, like over slapping you on the head. I don't know, like the yeah. way it was presented. This like you there are a lot of moments, even in this imperfect movie, where you're smiling mm-hmm. and you're laughing. And that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Like, like I enjoy that. And I again, like I really like I I am by far the like feeling the mm-hmm. best about Brie Larson right now and Captain mm-hmm. Marvel as I have um yeah. just her interactions with Kamala and even towards the end while I don't think a lot of the stuff with mm-hmm. her and Monica was perfect or there were maybe scenes missing here and there like mm-hmm. by the end where she is you kind of feel okay like now she's at home you know in Louisiana she's there we feel like yeah. Monica's going to be like I kind of like where where Carol has been left off. So I yeah. feel good about where we are moving forward. And we'll talk yeah. about one cool thing at the end, and then we'll kind of get into some of the things throughout the movie, maybe a little in chronological order that we liked. Um, Kamala, I was talking about mm-hmm. how I think she could be, you know, like a producer, and she sort of already is, as you you pointed right. out. She's trying to be Fury, too, and get the team together. We right, see at the end, right. she's already working on the Young Avengers. Kate Bishop, she goes and gets Kate Bishop. Uh, to try to team up with her and she's very mm-hmm. fury just sitting in kate's house waiting in the dark and looking like fury giving lines mm-hmm. just like fury and uh so yeah. they've got a few coming out of this just knowing that we're probably gonna see monica come back it seems like carol's not done in this world they tease this mm-hmm. they teach the x-men again so they did oh, set yeah. up a lot of things here and i kind of feel i do get a little bit of that excitement coming out of it now about these future mm-hmm. projects moving forward yeah and even yeah. even before you respond just how they're set up next year to where we mm-hmm. only have one movie it's not going to yeah. be overload right we're not going to get all i think they're going to take their time with all of these projects now moving forward mm-hmm. and i feel like we're going to get a little bit better just content overall yeah quality over quantity and this was a question we had going into the disney plus era is like this is uh, a bounty of things this is everything we ever wanted but can they pull it off is this feasible can they you know scale to this many shows this many hours per year is what they were aspiring to do and we found out no they could they couldn't do it they couldn't do it and keep up the level that they were uh, operating on so yeah i i think um in this era that they're going to have to take their time with things, make sure things are, are just right. They're going to have to lean on their filmmakers a little bit more. I don't think having the executives micromanage everything uh, to the nth degree and reshoot and all this thing, that's not good. I think take more time to get all that locked in, get a great script and everybody agrees. This is awesome. This is what we need to shoot and make that movie and trust the filmmakers that you hire 
to, to deliver that product. And, you know, we can have some constraints. This is the MCU because it has to fit into certain story points and things like that. But iron all that out before you get on the set. Uh, don't be doing all this, these, this crazy, uh, oh, I guess we'll figure it out in, in post sort of thing. No, like, not at know, all. It never works. It just it doesn't ever yeah. work. It, it's like, yeah, we've seen it for years now. People get sick or injured or you make a firing here and there, like weather, mm-hmm. like, weird things happen that have to delay your stuff or cause it to happen. There was a pandemic, right? right. Like there's stuff that, but you can't go into things not ready, not complete, right. like not like, yeah. okay, we feel good about this project right now. There were too many things that needed to be done because of deadlines. Yeah. Instead of we're mm-hmm. finished with this. This feels good. Absolutely. Now we're going to put it out. Absolutely. So push things back. That That's great. And let us have time to miss these things, to 100%. build some hype, to really get excited for it. You know, if we get the same thing every day. There was zero hype for this spikes, movie. They're, they're this movie had zero you know? hype. Zero yeah, oh, hype. negative hype. It literally, no, it had negative hype. It In had, comparison- there, there was a whole ecosystem of reviewers and um Articles you know most, and everything and, uh, yep. about how the, uh, marvel was dying and dead and the marbles is what's killing it and i i've i've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of these things you know from like nerd roddick's film threat um you know the friday night tights crew like all, all those guys they're commentators they have great opinions on certain things they tend to lean a little bit more right wing uh and so they can be like manosphere associated but th- there was a like i said an entire ecosystem around just just shitting on this movie before it came out so like they're, they're making money off of it i think they they had spikes in their their viewership because of like the anti um the anti marvel sentiment that had kind of built around these just just bomb after bomb after like uh disappointment at you know at the box office and you know critically and just for the fans like and like like we mentioned before, Secret Invasion really brought that to a T. And then so this movie was just teed up uh, for this this major uh, disappointment, this this huge uh, fan backlash. And like like we also said, it didn't deserve it. It's not the best Marvel movie, but it's far from the worst too. It's somewhere in the middle. I even liked it a little bit better than the first Marvel movie. And and it sounds or like Captain you and I Marvel might. Movie kind of like it maybe overall a little bit like we're all going to have personal things that we like or dislike mm-hmm. a little bit more but like we're both really high on Iman Vellani I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are and I really I think the one thing that I, that I mentioned again and we talked about I, it feels like she elevated the people around her which yeah. I love like she made them more likable and she made them more yeah. in, like intriguing to me um, and it's not perfect but it's not awful it's like i had it in mm-hmm. like the b minus range you know yeah, like if yeah. i'm giving a movie a grade i liked it better than a c you know but like i don't mm-hmm. i couldn't put it in the a range because there are too many imperfections here and there it probably yeah. needed another half hour or so right of like yeah. key scenes here and there that we felt like we're missing a couple more with you know with carol and monica a couple more explaining things here and there in between but yeah overall I walk out of the movie theater in less than two hours and I had a lot of fun, like mm-hmm. positive experience, you know? And yeah, for the most part, for sure. Let's get I'm into right about there. I would yeah. say it was about C, you know, just want to add, you, you, you would say B minus, I'd say about C plus. So I think we're yeah. right, right around this. We're pretty close, <laughs> you know? And yeah. 
and we'll get through some of the things we liked, some of the things we didn't mm-hmm. as we open up with um, Dar Ben. So Dar mm-hmm. Ben is right now the new leader of the Kree, and she's hoping to save her planet Hala because Captain Marvel has actually destroyed their planet inadvertently. She didn't mean right. to. She didn't try to be an annihilator, what she's named. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Marvel thought she was doing a positive. She took out this evil ruling AI that ruled over this place. But when taking them out, it's something that happens in the real world, in societies all the time, right? You you remove this awful leader, but then the people who right. have been ruled by this awful leader, they don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Because it turns out the the evil dictator had a a few you know positives right well, <laughs> to their just, rulership in this case. There, there were just some like more than anything, it was a sense of like everybody doing the same thing or just just mm-hmm. kind of following along. It created mm-hmm. these civil wars on their planet, yeah. and for thirty forty years, all these people were warring and killing each other, and basically the planet. Their son became unlivable because of all the war and all the destruction. And now, no, they, now all of these Kree people, they hate Captain Marvel. They think it's her fault that they have no planet and they need to find a place to, to go. They need to find some way to either fix their son, to fix their planet, or to move to a new place. And that's what our, uh, our opening is about with Dar Ben. She's looking for the bangles. We know Kamala has one bangle. They're known as the quantum bands. And these mm-hmm. can create jump points. They're just super powerful bangles. Uh, she finds mm-hmm. one, but they can't find the other as they continue to look around. And it's a kind of a, a cute cut where she says, where could the other one be? And then we right. flash to New Jersey and we see Kamala in her room. Well, what do you think right. about this opening scene with Darben, leader of the Kree, and this whole story which does kind of build on Captain Marvel. This movie builds on Captain Marvel, WandaVision, yeah. uh Miss Marvel, Guardians, Guardians yeah. Secret Invasion, a lot of different properties and some of the newer properties too. Yeah, I would argue it doesn't build on Secret Invasion and that Secret Invasion uh should have come after this with how everything Completely played out. Completely agree. It was supposed to. This yeah. was supposed to come before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you, you could go. tell. I think there was only one or two like lines that they put in there. To mm-hmm. make you feel like, oh yeah, Secret Invasion happened. But I honestly think right. that they want to act like Secret Invasion didn't happen as much as possible. Right. I think so. Yeah, it's like an Elseworlds story yep. or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this opening sequence I thought was good. It set the tone for something kind of epic. Uh, it established the the villain who I thought was threatening and and likable. A little bit um, unmemorable, I think overall. Wasn't wasn't my favorite villain, but I liked her. I thought she did a good performance. I thought, yep. like, aesthetically, she looked cool. She had, that, like, the gold teeth stuff going on. And isn't and, she Hiddleston's yeah. Uh, wife? Yeah, that's a yeah. – yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Zawe something, or, I believe. Uh, uh, I'll have to look it up. But, yeah, she was really good in this. Um, and uh, I, I think it established that connection, of course, with, with Kamala. And there, there's that, you know, ironic kind of funny cut to her and then the, the the opening sequence with Kamala I thought was really nice too like awesome. the throwback to the animated uh opening uh, that the they notebook. did in Ms. Marvel and the notebook and those those drawings and stuff and that was a really great uh, tie into Ms. Marvel but also an introduction to this character and it I don't know it was just a very simple fun way to establish her uh for people who hadn't seen Ms. Marvel that's good, that's but also for exactly fans right? of the show it was a good in like, reintroduction in like a minute 
you got a good snapshot of Kamala. Big time. Yeah. If you hadn't ever seen Miss Marvel, you're like, oh, nerdy girl, you know, daydreaming. <laughs> She's a fan of Captain Marvel. She's writing in her, her notebook. She's got doodles of her and Captain Marvel teaming up, you know, boom, yeah. like all right there. And yeah. as we see Kamala, we get introduced. So we Kamala first, and then we get to Carol, and then we get to Monica. But as Kamala's in her room, um, you know, she's just daydreaming. And all of a sudden, we see Kamala just vanish. Boom. And the yeah. way they do it is we next get to Carol. We see Carol, who's kind of alone. Carol Danvers, she just monitors what's going on out there she's still in contact with fury here and there but it's her and goose that's it mm -hmm. she doesn't yeah. really interact with many and she's trying to restore her memories she still doesn't have her full mind capacity from what the kree when the kree brainwashed her so she's kind of mm -hmm. getting memories back little by little by little to try to put her whole life together and she gets called by fury he asks her to go investigate that mm -hmm. the big power surge that happened when the uh the Cree leader Darben just found the first quantum band well one of the quantum bands. So she's mm -hmm. called on to go, hey, go check out what happened there. But Fury also calls on Monica yeah. to go check it out. Um yeah. so that's where we we're talking about this weird sort of Monica's looking yeah, at something. Like Freeway call. <laughs> yeah, Carol's <laughs> investigating something. And when the two of them both kind of reach out to touch this jump point in the sky them and Kamala all simultaneously switch places. They're all using mm -hmm. their powers at the same time. They all have light-based powers. So yeah. they're all, you know, it's causing a swap. And it, yeah. it's, once we get into the swap stuff, it's funny. Mm -hmm. It gets like the, the part with Carol and, and Monica, it felt just a little off, you know, like yeah. it really did of feel course. like. It, yeah. it just was in the wrong place. Almost, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, I don't think we should have mm -hmm. ever had them somewhat talk to each other before they ran into each other awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, that was it was an just awkwardly thought up kind of a uh, scene there, and it was kind of hard to understand. Like, I wasn't even sure on second viewing. Did she if, hear her? Like, or did she hear him? Well, exactly. What, like, could, yeah. could could Carol hear when Monica was talking about her? Like, I, know. I, I was very confused about that because it seemed like maybe, but it also seemed like no. So I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, th uh, this sequence was was cool. Um, not much, not much to comment on here. I no. think I did really like that shot with Carol initially stepping out into space. That really. Uh, captured um, my imagination a lot and it was visually really stunning and inspired and then like I think like the next shot of Carol was her um, you know kind of head on into the camera doing the kind of like a Superman shot with uh, the the cat on her shoulder and it looked so janky so that that was also kind of like the experience of the movie for me was like right. this jarring like beautiful shot I'm sure Nia DiCosta worked a long time on it and then another VFX shot that I bet was just forced in there and rushed and sent out to a production house that they, you know, subcontracted and then had to have them do in a short amount of time because they were reshooting stuff and they needed it, like some connective tissue to like tie in one shot to the next. I that's that's the experience of watching this movie for me. And the big downside of it was that that inconsistency. Uh, a yeah, because it would be yeah. that's a, that's a great because. There have been movies and shows that we've watched like throughout, and we're like, ah, the, mm -hmm. the quality and the the CGI is just not good in right. this. But there aren't as many where it's like 
very good in some spots and then not as <laughs> great in others, yeah. right? It's either usually yeah. just not very good or really good. It, right. It's not quite as like <laughs> like a, once one end of the spectrum or the other, which we got right. like in back to back. I think Eric from yeah. the Rockstars was pointing out too that uh, Brie Larson is allergic to cats. So yeah. some of the stuff with cats might really seem off right. if they have to do really bad like photo, like CGIing and graphic stuff mm-hmm. there. So just something to, uh, worth mentioning. And also I worth mentioning though, or go ahead. real quick uh, before we move on, uh, that the the trend of like jarring discrepancies between really great inspired imagery and CGI and then like a shot that will just take you completely out of it. That's happened more and more since around the time of Infinity War Endgame when they started doing the floating heads and the things and like 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 um T- Tony Stark's floating head basically uh, if, if you could picture that yeah where Tony Hawk Tony Stark is uh, you know the, the Iron Man mask comes off and it's all CG but it's it just or a better example would be Mark Ruffalo's floating head and like the Hulkbuster thing or even the actual floating head in Thor: Love and Thunder like uh, uh, when um, What's his name? Uh, is communicating to Thor, but like the kid, uh, is it Heimdall? Heimdall's kid? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that one was like, like went kind of viral. That image of the floating head for being so bad. But I've bad. just been noticing that even in like No Way Home, there would be a crazy disparity, and like there would be one shot that was like painterly and beautiful, and just like these deep shadows and like incredibly high res uh, CG detail. And then another shot might feel very green screened. Like for instance, another shot that went viral of um of Flash when when that Flash had his cameo there, it just looked so green screen, um, with the background of the city behind him, and it just didn't look like he was in a real place. So I, I've been noticing that more and more with these Marvel movies, and it's because of them being spread thin. They don't have like ILM and Weta doing everything. They farm out a lot of these things a lot of these sequences to, you know, different uh, production houses and post-production houses that, you know, have varied le- skill levels and also hugely variable um, timelines. So they might, and, and also might tell them to do one thing one day and a completely different thing the next day. And it totally messes up that timeline. So I think it's all part of the trend there. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's been getting worse for a few years. Yeah. And that's why hopefully moving forward now, not as much rushing. I think they've kind of understood, okay, we tried this way. Like, I don't, I, I'm never, I never have a problem with trying something different. And like we said at the beginning, Mm -hmm. we're like, Hey, cool. We're going to get all this stuff. They have all these things. And there were, there weren't many of them that were just completely bad, but they were Mm -hmm. just like, there was, they could have been, there were so many that could have been done a lot better than they were. That's what's frustrating is like, we could see the, like, we could see the spark or the seed of what they were trying right. to build around in a lot of things, right? One yeah. that comes to mind for me is like a Moon Knight, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like there are things that I think could have just been done a little bit better with a little yeah. more time with either, okay, should this mm-hmm. be a show or a movie, right? You know, like that right. kind of a just a little bit more sitting down in a meeting, let's make all the decisions and then let's go yeah. from here. Instead of yeah. doing it backwards, oh, hey, we got to have this done by December 20th, 2022, right. you know, we got to go back now, let's, that that just so rarely works. I'm not going to say right. never, because I'm sure there are times that it's, it, it, but so rarely does it work and does it feel satisfying. Yeah. Um, There's a the thing, let them cook, right? And exactly. that's what they need to do. They need to hire the right guys, give them the space to cook. And and see what happens. You know, there's going to be misfires, but for the most part, you know, 
lean on people who understand what the story is and have the inspiration for it. And they're not just trying to, you know, sell a Happy Meal toy or whatever. Uh, and ultimately, the ir irony there is like that will create the product that actually does sell the Happy Meal toys. So that, that does inspire the audiences and, and gets them hooked because it's something that came from like a real place of inspiration and was fully seen to fruition rather than something that was compromised heavily. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, filmmaking is about compromises to a certain extent, but when things are overcompromised, you know, it, it, it's not art anymore. You know, a product that's compromised is not a good product. And I hope, I hope I'm not feeling that she's like way more important than they feel but this is something moving forward that i really do feel like having a person like an iman Vellani in your universe helps with mm. she i think she's someone yeah. that's like don't do that no that doesn't right. make sense like she's another like consultant eyes and ears of the fan like you said yeah. you know that doesn't make a lot of sense like and I don't know how much she's being heard, but you, if that's someone that becomes more and more important and like a bigger part, I think it'll only help with the quality of stuff moving forward. You know, even if she's not Absolutely. in everything, but if she's just like a voice of watching over stuff like, nah, that's not great or that doesn't make as much sense with their – you listen to her in interviews and stuff and she's just mm – -hmm. like she gets it, you know? She really does. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, in at least one interview, she had an anecdote about something to that very effect where there was something she brought up about, you know, like an inconsistency or a discrepancy with what they were doing. She brought it, you know, to people's attention. They didn't listen to her at first, but it circled, circled back a little bit later and realized that she was exactly right. So, yeah, I think that, that uh, time will prove you correct here and that she'll probably be, an, you know, an actual producer in the Marvel Universe down the line, you know, in the way that Margot Robbie is this huge, you know, film producer now, and she's building projects for herself. Uh, I think Iman Vellani has a, a great pathway to do that within the MCU and beyond, but within the MCU is a, is a great jumping off point for her as a career. And, you know, I think it's probably what she wants more than anything. We also see that Carol's been keeping some tabs on Monica with some newspaper clippings around and seeing that mm -hmm. Monica's had some success as a, a really, like, really smart person coming up in the world now and you know, making it with, uh, I think, an astronaut. Um, and she was mm -hmm. all sorts of like college graduation stuff, awards that she's won. So it was cool to see yeah. Carol kind of keeping tabs on her. And. Yeah. Then the switching happens. Uh, <laughs> we get Kamala in space. Carol ends up in Kamala's room. And um, then Monica takes the place of where Carol was. Um, it's funny because Carol gets a chance to see uh, <laughs> Kamala's obsession with her. Like all the yeah. posters all over the walls and stuff. And it's like, me and Captain Marvel together <laughs> you know, holding hands. Like it's terrifying, yeah. <laughs> but also <Yeah>. flattering <laughs> at the same time, right? It's like, oh my yeah. God. Um, and these sequences were great. Like Kamala ends up in space and she's like floating and she sees fury. She's like, is yeah. this of an Avengers test? And she's just scared. Right. Um, but so all of with, that just made me think of one little discrepancy that kind of bothered me. I can look over it. Though. Go ahead. And it, it was a few things throughout with, with Kamala specifically. And I'm sure there's an explanation for it. Uh, that, they, that they could write into it or maybe they already have in mind but like how does she know so much about these like about like super spy nick fury for instance like Absolutely. i guess i'm assuming that there's been 
you know, biographies or things after like stuff like the Battle of New York and big things like that. Maybe he became somewhat of a celebrity. That's what I'm assuming. But you would also kind of assume realistically that, yeah, even though he played a big role in that, no general public people would ever even know who Nick Fury is. Ins and outs, what um, he does. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, That's and she she seemed to know too much throughout, even to the end when she goes to Kate Bishop. And it's a really fun scene, but in the back of my mind, I'm also going, how does she know to like do exactly what and Nick Fury e- did? <laughs> even yeah, and like at that point, you're right. Like, how would she know mm-hmm. to do the Nick Fury thing, right? Like, I get right. that she knows about Kate Bishop. She's got all the stuff in front of her, right? She's got all the information right. now, so they're giving her the the iPad, you know, the clear iPad. Why is yeah. it clear? Why is it that clear? That explains stuff too. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, but she has access at this, to that. But at this point, she doesn't. Right. At this point, right. she doesn't. Good point. She doesn't know anything yeah. yet. It wasn't until they came to her house with that stuff, and then, then her and her family are like, "What? You guys are surveillance? Like, you got surveillance yeah. on us?" At the, you're you're spot on. Like. She knows a little too much here. That's just Iman mm-hmm. knowing everything, right? Like she, but yeah. you wouldn't know the ins and outs of a Nick Fury. No, but Nick Fury uh, in Secret Invasion, Nick Fury wasn't treated like a celebrity. No, he didn't go places and people recognize him. You know what I mean? Like that would be the like that would be antithetical to his identity as a super spy. It wouldn't like, make sense. Yeah, it wouldn't. Only it wouldn't. only people in in the industry and like his colleagues would know. So. The initially they can't quite figure out what's happening. Uh, Fury and Monica go down to visit Kamala and her family, see if they can try to figure out what's been going on. Monica's able to realize that whenever they use their powers, because they all have these light based powers, they end up switching, and it leads mm-hmm. to some great stuff with Kamala's family, which we love. They're awesome, but then this really awkward interaction where. Kamala mm-hmm. ends up switching with Captain Marvel. And so we have mm-hmm. Captain Marvel and Monica standing face to face um awkwardly after not having seen each right. other for like 40 years. I did appreciate how Carol just tried to make mm-hmm. it like, hey, Lieutenant Dangerous. Like she said yeah. the name that she used to call her as a girl, and Monica just right. shot her down. That I, I I liked Carol's part where she tried to be like, hey, Lieutenant Dangerous. And she said, no. Yeah. Captain Rambo now but this was an awkward uh and this is what it should have been the first time I guess at not and not in that little did they talk to each other on the radio moment mm-hmm. uh moment there but now they'll try to kind of figure out moving forward can we get control over why we're switching with each other I'm sorry I lost you there for a second you said yeah, that again? Uh, yeah I said at this point now we've got Carol we've got Monica and mm-hmm. they got to figure out along with Kamala can they get control over this? How can they get a better handle on every time right. they use their powers at the same time, they switch yeah. places. I mean, moments after this, Kamala is falling through the sky because yeah. she switches at the, at a moment when Carol is flying and, right. uh, and Monica has to shoot up and fly for the first time. Use some black <laughs> girl magic. I believe what, right. uh, what Fury what says. Fury said. Which yeah. is funny, but also, but also like this not... was a preposterous moment within the film that made me go, well, "What are we? What are we watching here?" I know. <laughs> like... is, this, is this Fury or is this like Samuel L. Jackson in a different movie? Right? Like that's <laughs> right, right. that was just him but saying that, you know. Just the idea. Like I don't know. Was was it even dropped that she thought that she would be able to fly? Like before that, that was that was one thing that just threw me for a loop. I was like, wait a minute, why are? I get that. Oh, she's falling. So it would be really nice if you could fly right now. But why did they believe that she can do it like right away? I, 
I guess he has some power, so maybe flying's part of it, but it just didn't, I, I quite, I didn't quite get it. Um, and I, I felt like maybe there was something missing again, something was there a like scene was where they talked about it. Yeah. Like they even had a conversation that like, right. she has I've the ability to fly. to fly, but she's not yeah. doing it. Something like that. Yeah. If they had even just said that, like, and we've studied it, our powers are seem to have the same mechanism. So if you could fly, I should be able to fly too. Like that would be all you really need there. But like that was missing from that. Maybe they even said something like that, and I I missed it. But no, things, it's not. Too fast. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I, I it, it it boggled my mind kind of. But again, it happened so fast. I almost didn't think about it too much the first time. My rewatch of the film is where a lot of this stuff, I mean, a lot of it I noticed a little bit, but, you know, didn't really care. I had more time to think about it on the rewatch and things, things, um, I think stuck I out. liked it. Yeah, and it, ultimately, I almost think I, I liked the movie less the second time I watched it, which was interesting because I also rewatched Captain Marvel, and on the rewatch of Captain Marvel, I, I liked it a little bit more. So, like, both films, like, uh, went the opposite direction on, on rewatch and kind of ended up around the same <laughs> The same area for me, uh, like what, how I rate the, the films. I still like this one a little bit more just because it's got some some fun stuff in, in it. But uh, yeah, like all these logic leaks were really throwing me for a loop. And this was one of the biggest ones at, at the beginning. Uh, so blocker magic joke aside, which was funny. <laughs> so what ends up happening? Kamala sees a flurkin, goose swallowing and spitting yeah. things out. Um, and as the women keep switching places some of the Cree end up in Kamala's living room there um so this this is a really chaotic sequence where a lot of different things yeah. are happening throughout um and then while this is happening Darben who's the Cree leader actually tries to create what we think is like a peace treaty with the scrolls but we find out it's definitely not she even makes a right. comment about sucking their air out if they don't go along with her plan. Um, Baseballs. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so here is where it se- it seems like the Kree and the Skrulls are going to be able to w- work together and live together. Um, that's never really going to happen because Darben and the Kree we're going to use the the bands to try to eliminate the scrolls but it again carol mm-hmm. in trying to do what she thinks is right she it all kind of backfires here she sort of yeah. screws up but the peace between the scrolls and the kree and we get this mm-hmm. really sad moment where kamala carol and monica they haven't quite figured out how to you like all come together and use their power simultaneously so they basically ground Kamala. Hey, you can't do anything yeah. right now. Like, just let's let us take care of this. And while uh, they try to save as many scrolls as possible, we get this like really sad scene where we see a lot of these scrolls left for dead as Kamala and Carol and Monica try to save as many as they can before leaving. Yeah. And there's this kind of like a harrowing moment where Kamala's trying to save all these different people. And yeah. Carol kind of yells at her, "Hey, we gotta just yeah. save as many as we can, and let's go." Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of yeah. like a grow up well, moment for Kamala right there. Yeah, and it made all the, all the more difficult to watch because you see a lot of um, squirrel children running in those crowds, and you couldn't couldn't help but think about that, uh, and also couldn't think, help but think about some parallels with what's going on 
you know, in the world and what's always been going on in the world with, you know, just refugee crises and especially Israel-Palestine right now. And, you know, the idea of like when outside forces interfere with these these sorts of things, then there could, there could be unexpected consequences and things backfire like what happened uh, here where, you know, Carol's trying to help things, but actually um, accelerates their, their demise in a way. Yeah. Uh, really, really rough stuff. It is. Um, and it was a very harrowing sequence. Uh, and again, I feel like the short runtime kind of works against us in this moment uh, because we're going from this harrowing sequence to like some rather lighthearted stuff pretty quickly. Um, you know, we do deal with some of the aftermath of it, but we're back into just kind of like, um, you know, doing hopscotch or whatever. <laughs> Three of them. And, and then yeah. dancing on a, on a singing planet. Um, that, like pretty quickly after this, we don't have a whole lot of time to to deal with this this, this horror. I mean, there's this great, I mean, I wouldn't say great actually. Uh, there's this okay scene um, where Valkyrie comes uh, sh- shortly thereafter, and that, that kind of deals with the aftermath. But that's that. We don't really even think about that for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's a that's what really kind of what happens next is mm-hmm. Carol, you know, calls Valkyrie to come. Uh, help so the remaining scrolls go down to new asgard which will kind of set up another interesting thing moving forward as new asgard like this safe haven for (laughs) alien beings and if we think about one of the things from secret invasion that could impact this how like the uh, all scrolls and aliens have been kind of targeted now by the president of the united states in the u.s so it's another it could, reason it doesn't make sense that the, the, the order that this happened, I, right? I think, uh, well, it doesn't make sense that they would bring them to Earth because if it's that was the hot, case, yeah, it's unless right now, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make sense if this is something that can't be either hidden or there isn't, yeah, again, like we gotta, they can, I'm sure they can retcon this probably mm-hmm. in a way where yeah. we'll feel better about it, but just mm-hmm. looking at it from the big picture, you wouldn't bring another group of scrolls in right now yeah. and then also why weren't the scrolls from earth just staying in this like why weren't right. more of them here <laughs> in this colony with the rest yes. of us um big we plot holes big logic holes there so, um, um, a few we'll here and there but as val uh valkyria takes them away we get to kamala Wait, b- before we move on real quick i Please. just want to comment on the valkyrie scene uh, because there's a, a a meta kind of reason for that. There's a big uh, push, a, a shipping uh, contingent of of uh, people who really want to see Captain Marvel uh, and and Valkyrie together romantically. Oh yeah, and I think that this this scene was heavily implying and leaning on that that this is a little bit more than just a friendship. Yes, but I, they didn't have the balls to to go all the go way all out with it. Yeah, no. Which, which upsets me, man. Uh, if you're gonna do it, do it. Go all in. I have no issue with doing it, but like you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. I yeah, think that's exactly they're teasing. What they're, they're teasing a little bit without much. without being tied to anything, yeah. right? You know. Yeah. So, I uh, completely agree. That was something that was mentioned. So we now get to the point where they were able to save some of the scrolls. The scrolls head back to New Asgard, and the three now spend a lot of time together. Monica, Carol, and Kamala trying to make sense of everything that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. We even get a sequence where Carol tries to restore some of their memories 
by mm-hmm. what's happening to them using these what are thought of as scroll torture devices, but they can actually help you gain some of your memories back. And mm-hmm. we get a moment where Kamala explains the bangle that she has um, to them, mm-hmm. how she has she has it. Carol talks about it being a quantum band. And so they're together all helping each other out with information. I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. good like from here moving forward. It's I like Every time the three of them are together working together, I think they do complement each other very well. They make a good team. They have a good dynamic. And just from a mm-hmm. in like a, a logical sense, you've got Kamala who's kind of dorky. I think they say Carol's more of like a jock, you know, and then you've got Monica mm-hmm. who's like really, really smart. And she can kind of figure out what to do in situations. Like Monica's yeah. the one who figures out that Carol will be able to actually save the Kree planet herself with her power. Right. Like – Hey, this this information could have been nice forty years ago. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like Carol's right. just been chilling out in space for a while, not knowing that she could just go fly through this planet and the sun would be good again. You know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just use her power there. Um, but uh, joking aside, I I thought you know the intergalactic sequence where they're really mm-hmm. like that was fun. We saw that in some of the clips and like it. It really was a fun sequence with the three of them, and they're jumping mm-hmm. rope, and they're and you see them all understanding the timing of when they switch, how they switch, and right. I do like that we get this, and then a little later in the mo- in the movie, there's a sequence where they're trying to do it, but it mm-hmm. doesn't work mm-hmm. yet, yet, right? They're not quite there yet, and Carol gets frustrated and kind of tries to do things on her own again, but then mm-hmm. they need to all work together. Finally, at the end of the movie, yeah. and we see them really doing it. And when the three of them do work together, what it looks like coming together. So I did like the progression that we saw yeah. them work on it in in a short movie. I that was one of the things that I actually kind of felt was a little bit earned, like watching mm-hmm. them together work on some of this, figure it out a little bit, and then get to the point where, oh, cool, like they all are actually taking advantage of each other's powers now and using them together. It's like three people with three powers, you know, the way they were like right. three different sets of powers, the way they were all kind of taking advantage of what each other could do by the end of it. So I, mm-hmm. I like probably my favorite part, uh, like thing of the movie is just when the three of them were together in these type of action sequences that mm-hmm. were fun, but also pretty solid action at the same time. Yeah, I, I really like the concept of the entanglement stuff, and it made for really fun, unique action uh, sequences. And they have great chemistry together also when they're just on screen, you know, chatting or, you know, trying to time their, their powers correctly. I, li- I like the, the gag when they're, they're, all right, on three, one, two, three, go. And then they're like, it's just no, it's not on old, three. You got to go at three. Yeah. The way they played it was just great. Like, like, Carol's reaction, like, I know <laughs> it was, it was human. Um, Carol wasn't perfect in this film. Uh, she wasn't just like some character who had everything right. And people just couldn't appreciate her for how awesome she was, uh, which I really appreciated in, in this movie. She had um, some depth to her character and she made mistakes and she was trying to grapple with those mistakes. And there were a few different arcs in the film for the characters. Like you mentioned, one of the main arcs is them all coming together and, being a team and functioning there. But then individually, you know, you had uh, Monica Rambeau, her arc was kind of a forgiveness thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, also getting her powers and, and that uh, what Carol was more about forgiving herself 
and and also redemption for you know having done things that was a mistake. She she hurt the Cree people, and those that was, that was her, and from her perspective even like that was her people uh, for, yeah. for at least a period of time, uh, and she was manipulated by the supreme intelligence and you know higher ups there. But you know the the Cree people were just another people that she was among and a part of for a while, and you know, so she has affection and uh, and love for them. And so she had to forgive herself for you know really hurting them, even though her her heart was in the right place. Um, so they they all have these um, you know arcs to it, and of course uh, you know uh, Kamala's arc is more so I think about just coming into her own, coming into her powers, discovering herself, being part of that team, and and finding her her like uh, at herself at eye level with her, the people that she's always looked up to. I think that's her her big part is just becoming what she's dreamed to be um, for so long and actualizing that. So there's some good stuff to, to work with there. Not a whole lot of subplots going on in the film. Again, very, very tight. But yeah, I, I, I agree. The film works best when these three characters are just interacting Because there's with layers. We're playing yeah. off each other. Yes. yes. There's so many layers with the three of them and like what they have individually going on. And then when they come mm-hmm. together collectively going on, yeah. that it's just... It works. You know, sometimes you throw a few characters together and it doesn't work, but this one did with the three of them. Like it was a good, uh, it was, it was really solid. And we see that fury because of everything that's been going on with Kamala's family, they had their house has been destroyed. There were people, they keep switching. There were people attacked them. The fury takes them up to saber. So they're up Mm -hmm. there in space and the space station itself is experiencing all these weird errors because Darben has the band and is opening up these jump points because Darben is going around trying to save her planet, trying to figure something out that can use, use the bands to basically get the sun back to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get her planet livable. They don't have breathable air anymore now. So right. Carol is able to figure out that Darbin was attacking planets that were that she knew that were her homes planets mm-hmm. that she, and and planets that they needed one of those was Aldana which is made primarily of water mm-hmm. so we get a little detour to Aldana which is like yeah. the biggest disney plug ever yeah um, man i got to say this was like corny like super right. corny but Kamala again just made all of this yeah. like you're just watching so we get to this planet it's called Eldana and when Carol yeah. is telling the uh, Monica and Kamala about it she's a little trepidatious she yeah. she seems like uh, I mean she, Kamala says well that was awkward she said that pretty <laughs> awkward <laughs> something about yeah. that. like the, like <laughs> that one from, uh, low, low. Yeah. so we get to this planet and their language is song Mm-hmm. So right, right when they show up, everything has to be sung in order for you yeah. to uh, to understand it. And Carol, and not just that; it's it's a full on musical planet. Like oh they're, yeah, they're doing almost like like in, I don't know, improvised choreography. There's they're singing and dancing the whole, the whole all time. over. Everything's grand and all and, and colorful, vibrant. Yeah. Like it's it's hilarious. It. It yeah. honestly is like a Bollywood movie when you watch it. It's kind of feels yeah. like that, like the way everything is um, when it, when you come into it. And we yeah. we come to understand that Carol married the prince of this planet um, mm-hmm. in order to 
um, like for a political reasons in order mm-hmm. to to help them. She was doing a favor for them. So now she can also get help from them when she needs. She's a, the princess of this place. So when, when and she, that makes that makes Carol Danvers an official Disney princess. Too. Disney's a Disney I princess. Great point. Yeah. That's great. As we actually see Kamala and Monica, the way they're like making fun of Carol throughout all of mm-hmm. this is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Because it's well, not dancing in any way. Yeah, yeah. They're just sort of like hamming it up big time yeah. while Carol get into it. is like, um, like really <laughs> not into this until right. we get into like the palace. And mm-hmm. when we enter the palace, Carol has to do this full dance sequence. Yeah. And she gets like transformed into a Disney print, like a full on mm-hmm. dress, like an evening gown, a ballroom gown. She's yeah. dancing around. Funny note and- about this is my, my son got a Happy Meal and it had the Happy Meal of Captain Marvel in this Disney princess thing. So I had been for weeks before I saw the movie, Curious. like wondering. What the heck is this about? Like, there's going to be a dance thing? Like, what? I thought that I was so curious about that going into it. And a lot of this was a very divisive uh, scene, too, that I'd heard about, uh, like, right when it opened before I saw it. I heard, I heard that, that, that this scene existed and I imagined it was going to be divisive. But I generally liked it. Sorry, I, I, I interrupted you there. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Never. It, it, I laughed. I thought it was funny, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I could tell it would be divisive, but. Mm-hmm. They really leaned in on it, like leaned into mm-hmm. it and had fun with it. And yeah. every time they cut back to Kamala and Monica that were yeah. wa- like watching this and yeah. Kamala's face is just like her jaws <laughs> dropped. And yeah. I, Monica makes a line and says like, how much fan fiction are you going to be able to write after this one? <laughs> right, right. And she's like, oh my God, times. And <laughs> it was it was really funny and yeah. just a total was, like Disney commercial, right? Yeah, big time. It was the most Disney uh, sequence of any Marvel film so far, and I, I liked it because it was different. It was it was a it was a weird swing. I like weird swings, uh, and it made enough sense. Uh, I wanted it maybe even a little bit more. I heard it was a much longer sequence. I, maybe I thought there was some more interesting stuff to to do there, but maybe and they the, got a little the, trepidatious that that was going to be a divisive scene, so they had to keep it minimal. Uh, yeah, sorry, but right, no, that the and the contrast of Carol being like a straight character, you right, know, right. In, in a place like this that's funny and sing songy, like right yeah. off the bat, it's a good, it's it's going to be good, you know, because she does a great cartoonish like reaction face, like when she's got the veil over and they say that she's a princess and she like looks <laughs> to the side. And it was, I think it was in the trailers and stuff, and it was, it like there's some good stuff like that. It, it does, like. You could tell it felt like she was having a little a little fun with it too. You could you yeah. could see here. So Aldana, mm-hmm. they're singing and they're dancing all over. Um, as she reveals to them that they they're gonna be in some trouble, and she lets them know what's going on with Darben. So we actually see not long after this, um, a battle commence. We see you know Darben show up. And ask and with the Cree and ask the Eldonians to bend the knee. And the prince Yon says no. And we get a battle here on uh, the on this planet. And mm-hmm. you know it's when the women are trying to use their powers together and they'd just been working on it, but it mm-hmm. every time Kamala kind of was throwing them off. You know, they weren't like mm-hmm. the timing, they hadn't worked it out, and it seemed like 
Carol and Monica had a good moment where they were going to get the better of Darben, but Kamala kind of screwed it up. And so the Kree actually kind of took the advantage and they were Mm -hmm. dominating a lot of the, the people from Aldana here Mm -hmm. so much so that Kamala, Monica and Carol uh, ended up leaving the planet and Mm -hmm. leaving a lot of these people to fend for themselves. Carol was really upset. She wanted to stay and, and, try to fight and defend, but Kamala yeah. had to do what Carol just did. Hey, we got to mm-hmm. save ourselves and get out of here right now if yeah. we still want to be able to make it. So mm-hmm. uh, we kind of saw the dynamic flip a little bit where Kamala had to make a tough decision. She actually pressed a button to to jump mm-hmm. them out of that planet, uh, yeah. which, which frustrated Carol, and it, it kind of got them into a little bit of an argument. All three of them, they they yeah. parked on this planet and they kind of got out of the car and started yelling at each other, right? They got out of the yeah. ship and uh, and had a little bit of a moment where they all sort of vented. Yeah, and this is probably the low point for the, the three characters too. You know, I this agree. is their second major retreat. You would think that, the, the you know, the, the this was going to be their big triumph you know after the first major retreat but no that this is their their low point and uh you mentioned that jump uh scene i thought that that was visually really cool the, the way that they did the jump points and especially this one where they're doing multiple jump points at once and it was you know we saw it in guardians and it was kind of established in in that film uh but i, I love it i just love those little those cool hexagons and going from uh, uh, going through a wormhole, that's just a cool concept. So I love to see that. But yeah, the, the characters, you're right. They do have like a flip here. Uh, and then this is the main, you know, portion of conflict between them. Not a whole lot of conflict, though. Uh, their conflict is very thin throughout the film. It just, yeah. it just sort of happens and then gets pretty resolved, resolved pretty quickly, that is. Uh, and uh, we never really dwell on their conflicts too much. The major conflict is always them Versus Darben and the internal conflicts, of course. And that's what probably takes this from where you and I are, C plus, B minus, (laughs) to to the next level, right? Not having (laughs) as much of that. Like, I think it makes the the conflicts and then the resolutions, like, you you feel a little bit more than the fun we're having throughout this movie, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't hit on the heartstrings quite as much as you could, as you could have with a Carol Kamala dynamic, a Monica Carol dynamic, right? All of these. Mm-hmm. And then I even think like, I think Monica and there's a funny thing there with Monica and Kamala too, even. Like, mm-hmm. There's just a couple times where like Monica has to be like, Kamala, calm down, you know? Yeah, and she I, gets I just kind of annoyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's in like a sweet-ish way. Like, you know, it's not in like a mean way. You know, you can mm-hmm. just like, girl, calm down here. You know, like yeah. we don't need to get ahead of ourselves. Right. I, I just sort of like it's like a big sister sort of uh, relationship, yeah. you know, almost. But and I, th- I think on the flip side of that, Carol is a little bit more uh, comparatively like more tender and like receptive to Kamala. I know she yes. snaps at her and they have that thing. But I think and that's part of like her backstory with Monica and having yes. dropped the ball in their relationship. It's a now, great fun. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Kamala, she's kind of making up for that. It's a it's another you know young younger kind of like person that's looking up to her, and she's getting a chance to kind of do it over uh, with Kamala here. And she still makes mistakes or whatever, but I think she's approaching it more delicately because of that major. She's she's had this major failure on a personal level of like, oh, this person was important to me on Earth, and 
they feel like I really betrayed them. I, I kind of abandoned them. Um, so, you know, she's she's carrying that guilt and she wants to make that right. She even she apologizes to Kamala, you know, initially mm-hmm. like after how she mm-hmm. behaved with her right off the bat. Said, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, let's start over. I'm Carol. And then at that mm-hmm. you know, and that happens, Kamala says, I'm Kamala. And she does like the shooter <laughs> McGavin thing. You know? She does like right. the shoot the finger guns. And like yeah. Carol does like an awkward finger gun sort of like half back yeah. to her, which I really yeah. enjoyed. I thought it was like a <laughs> it was really cool the way she's like, Look, oh, okay, yeah. here you go. And uh yeah, even later after, like when in a little bit when Monica is gone and they come back and embrace. And you can see her kind of hug. And then the way that they go on the plane together after there, you do see that it, it does feel like Carol is trying to mm-hmm. make up for what happened with her and Monica. You know, can I, I can't yeah. go back and fix that, but maybe moving forward, I can be better with someone like a Kamala who's looking up to me and I can help her, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that, that, you know, the whole thing crystallizes for Carol too, when they have, you know, going back a few scenes, when they had that memory sharing uh scene uh we get a little bit more of that backstory uh carol can see you know firsthand or vice versa they see each other firsthand for like what they were doing when they were separated uh and yeah i think carol has a better perspective of like why she she why monica feels hurt and and uh, monica even in, in that scene probably feels more hurt because she sees you know that carol, carol came back and saw her mom and stuff so there's a lot of stuff going there um, but yeah, that, I think that probably motivated Carol and crystallized like, oh yeah, I really did let her down, uh, when, when that came to light. So as Carol and, uh, Monica and Kamala had of like a, a group hug moment, we <clears throat> hear from Saber and from Fury, there are all these eggs that were popping up all over. The station had a <laughs> bunch of problems and all these technical glitches because Darben was open and stuff. And now... They were worried, so they got to evacuate because the, the sky's opening up, and they have a bunch of crew and staff to try to evacuate. Kamala's family's up there, but they don't have a ton of ships and a ton of space. How are they going to get all these people? Well, the eggs are flurkin eggs. Our, our buddy Goose was pregnant. He laid a bunch of eggs all over the place, so now we've got cats roaming all over the Sabre space station (laughs) and the way to transport everyone is to get each cat to eat a few people instead of having to transport hundreds of people. You just put a few cats in each of these. And I mean, it's so stupid and silly and wonky, but the way if you're going to do something that doesn't make sense and like, you have to really like roll your eyes (laughs) to get to lean into it. Right. You got to lean. Exactly. Right. If you're going to, if something is like, you can't try to play it serious because then right away right. we're going to say, like, it doesn't make sense. And they were serious about it, but they lead right. into it with memories. They're, right. they're like, did, what did what did Captain Marvel say? She's like, so we're literally hurting cats. Right, right, right. And she just <laughs> like chases after a cat, okay. you know, like, <laughs> and she, come here, kitty. So, yeah, it's like, it's goofy. But again, like, I actually. The the song makes you laugh too, and like the yeah. of memories that they use while mm-hmm. it's going. So there's actually there's it's, a part where the one girl, one of the mm-hmm. members of the crew, she's like terrified. She's trying to like escape. Right. And she like <laughs> runs around the corner, and she's sitting there, and she thought she got away from them, and then she yeah. looks over, and the cat's just like right there, and it just I thought that one like made me laugh a yeah. little bit too. 
Yeah, I think this sequence was a great litmus test for if you're going to like the film. Um, uh, and for me, it didn't quite land. I think it was just a little too preposterous for me. I couldn't get over how this, like, how the people were were fitting into the cats. I tried to think about me it. And I kind of have an, an idea of how it's working. My assumption is that these tentacles, when they latch onto the, you know, the individual, whatever it may be, uh, maybe there's some type of a quantum connection there where they can essentially shrink them down. Sure. Uh, there's a quantum energy transference where they can shrink them down into, you know, an alternate universe that's inside their belly or something like See, that. See, this is another um, thing where it's like if we w- all we need is like one yeah. line of dialogue with that in have. one yeah. in one movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, like just for for them to say like. Oh yeah, with these Florgans, like they have the the, yeah. the capacity to carry anything in them. Like there there, there yeah. should have been a moment in some other movie or show, whether it been a funny or serious one before this, just so we mm-hmm. understood that this was a thing, right? That this was yeah. like capable of being done. And they, they plant to be fair, they planted it earlier in the film with the Flurgan capturing the Cree guys. So we, it was established that that was possible, but there was no attempt or any kind of like of any, any information about like None. how that's None. possible. And, and you could argue that's not important, and that, that's totally fine. They don't explain exactly how the powers work, uh, but they do drop little things of like they they say it's from the Nora dimension or it's a light based power. And you okay, I, I'll go with that. I'm assuming there's more details to it that explain it. Um, but yeah, that, it, I couldn't, and as I was watching it live, uh, kind of get over it, like the idea that these people were all becoming kind of like, um, the, the hunters in that Loki room when the, when the cube crushes them all. Yeah. Like, that, that's, yeah. That, that's, that was the fate I was imagining all of them. Like, no, that's no. Not, They're squishing each case. other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but if I, if you take a step back, I did, I, I did also enjoy it on the level of like, this is like ridiculous and I'm seeing it play out in front of me. Like you get to see these people get swallowed by the cat. So that's maybe not important to understand how it's happening. We, we saw it happen on screen. Um, and also, like you mentioned, the song memories, it adds that layer of irony to it. It, it, it makes it a little bit more funny. And the lyrics are surprisingly like appropriate. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about memories and we had a flashback sequence earlier about their, you know, sharing memories. Uh, we're talking about days in the sun. We've got this major plot about restarting the sun. Uh, so it was appropriate in a lot more ways than um, than just, you know, because there's cats on screens and it's from the, the musical cats. It, it worked on multiple levels and I think that's that made it a, a great choice uh, for the filmmakers. Uh, ultimately, Especially on my first watch, that was one of the things. The things where I was like, all right, I don't know what kind of movie I'm watching right now. Maybe I don't like this so much, but I can also suspend my disbelief and, and enjoy aspects of it. And it didn't ruin it for me by by any stretch. I heard a lot of mixed things on that and the Aladdin's uh, sequence. Like people either really loved the Aladdin sequence, they really loved the cat sequence, or they thought it was kind of ridiculous and took them out of it. And I, I could see both arguments. Um, and I kind of feel both arguments. And know? and I, I com- and I do too. I, but I will I will always say, especially when you're in like and you have so much content and so many things. Uh-huh. I'm I'm always cool with like trying something a little different, trying yeah, something different. a little bit new. Like it's there you're weird. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna miss on some of them, right? Yeah. But like go weird here and there. You've got yeah. a bunch of movies and projects and stuff where it's worth like if you swing and miss on a few of them here and there. And like you said, yeah. I don't even know if these are swing and misses more than just like yeah. more than like um just polarizing. 
right? Yeah, they were choices, like, you know? Half the choices, exactly. And some, you know, when you make a choice like this, some are mm-hmm. going to like it and some are not. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we went from like the fun, kind of silly, putting all the cats in, and then the cats are going through space and they're in that ship and they're just floating. Right. <laughs> they're all like in the, it, without without gravity, as the three heroes now realize they've got to come together and try and go stop Darben. Darben's already mm-hmm. in the solar system and now she's moved on to Earth. She's trying mm-hmm. to attack Earth and take their son. Yeah. So and Darben knows about the uh, second um band too, the second mega band, the um She's seen it on Kamala band. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Darben with that quantum band, she's able to absorb Captain Marvel's powers. When Captain Marvel uses her powers She's like able to absorb it and then use it back against them. Mm. And we know yeah. how powerful Captain Marvel is. So it's one of these things where when they're around her with the quantum mm-hmm. band, they have to be very careful about what they're doing and how they're approaching fighting her, uh, Darben. Mm-hmm. And this is when the three of them come together and we actually mm-hmm. see that they've kind of mastered how they're able to switch, how they're able mm-hmm. to time everything out. And it it is <laughs> Pretty cool. I I thought I heard somebody say they just didn't have a a pop song in the final fight sequence, mm-hmm. which which right. almost felt like it was missing or some kind of like a a corny song yeah. here. Um, yeah. But again, the sequence was cool. We see the three of them all kind of approaching in their different ways, and what ends up happening is Carol <laughs> um, has Darben pinned. There's a big kind of, mm-hmm. I guess, boulder that sort of falls over, and Darben is pinned down there. And yeah. again, they almost stabbed too. I think yeah, she's kind of stabbed, point. and she can't move. And this is where yeah. Carol tries to explain, "Look, I'm not trying to kill your people. I want what's best for the Cree." Um, right. And and it's the youth of Kamala that almost gets them in a little bit of trouble here, mm-hmm. because Kamala is like wants to just save. Anyone that she can she doesn't want anyone to die She doesn't want anyone to be hurt So she right. tries to to You know speak to Carol Hey we don't need to kill Darben Let's see what we can do to help And mm-hmm. and then Darben Is actually able to take Kamala Hostage she kind of flips around yeah. on them And um, She puts our heroes in a bad Situation for a quick moment so It's kind of mm-hmm. that youth and inexperience From Kamala she hasn't been in these Types of Battles right she hasn't been around These evil villains before Whereas Carol even though Meaning to do well she kind of knew she Had to to finish off Darben here Yeah but she also hesitates Too to be fair uh, And I think Kamala kind of brings that out of her right Right and also just you know She has harmed The Kree people unintentionally In the past and so she feels uh, Guilty about what she did To Darben Uh, and she I think Empathizes with Darben a little bit and sees herself in her and sees that, oh, I I really screwed you over here. I didn't mean to. I was trying to liberate you from the supreme intelligence. Uh, But yeah, I I destroyed your civilization. I I, I caused immense harm uh, to you. So I think that's part of her arc, too, is, you know, trying to not be this annihilator uh, character. She doesn't like that. And so that causes her to, yeah, she she errs on the side of, like, mercy uh, here. And unfortunately, Darben is just a you know, a very, and she's, uh, what would you describe her as? Just a, she's a, a villain. <laughs> you know, she ends up being a and villain. she's drunk with true. power, right? She's yes. drunk with power yes. at this moment. Her, she thinks she's capable of doing anything at this yeah. moment when she's, 
when she gets the other quantum band from Kamala. So now she yeah. has both of them, and she thinks she can use all of the energy she has to try to mm-hmm. save her planet. And you actually hear Monica kind of trying to talk her off the ledge a little bit. I think, you know, right. trying to like let her know it's not going to work what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Darben yeah. basically like kills herself. Yeah. Is, I, I find this really interesting because the main problems that they establish uh, in the films solve themselves in a way. Darben yeah. gets what she wants and it like immediately kills her. Very much, uh, they pointed this out about um, Indiana Jones. Like that, if you take Indiana Jones out of the movies, like the same thing kind of happens without you know, even it, him needing it, to be without there. Without him being there, yeah, but it's still worthwhile. Like there's a little character arcs and, and the fun stuff going on throughout. And I would never say that that's a reason not to watch Indiana Jones by any stretch or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but uh, yeah, in this case, that that happens with Darbin, and even with the like kind of the B plot of what are these eggs? Well, these eggs are everywhere. What's going on with that? That ends up being the thing that actually just saves them from the space station. Um, so it, the, the problems they introduce kind of resolve themselves, uh, but they still ultimately, you know, bring some some sort of action to the screen uh, and something interesting for the audiences to watch. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not complaining about that, really. No, but it, it is like... Yeah, it did feel a little bit weird though, like like anticlimactic when she just died. kind of a safe decision too, from character wise, right. right? To not have Carol get involved in being the one to kill Darben here after Carol right. already has like some of these scars, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to have to make her wear this on her again at this point. You don't want to pin mm-hmm. this on like Kamala, someone early, you know, like mm-hmm. that, and you keep it kind of off of Monica, and Monica gets to be this hero, you know, at the mm-hmm. end where it. Darben kills herself on accident by by trying to do too much in all of the the holes that she's created throughout time and space. They're still there Mm -hmm. and they're about to like create Mm -hmm. entire black holes, suck planets Mm -hmm. in uh, incursions, probably Monica, you know, thinks quickly. What can we do in trying to use the three of their powers? Monica basically wants to kind of close the hole up in the yeah. sky. But in order to do that, she's got to go inside of that hole and and kind of work mm-hmm. it from the inside, right? You got to patch it from yeah. the inside. She can't do it from the outside in. Uh, but what happens when she goes up there, she, she has to use so much of her power to keep it closed that she can't make mm-hmm. it out. She, she yeah. traps herself inside of a different dimension. Yeah. Which very cool concept. I I love it, and I love where they go with it in the post credit sequence. Um, but but logically felt uh, again very thin. Where it's like, wait a minute, there's two sides to this hole. Uh, you 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 refer to it as inside outside. I didn't see it that way. I saw it as one universe and another universe. You know, exactly. like like yeah. So I'm trying to make the, the best in my head of it, right? Yeah, right. It, yeah. You, I'm did. sure that's what they're gonna say. Like that's that's the explanation, but that wasn't made clear in in the film. There was no there was nothing that would lead us to believe that you had to be on one side versus the other, um, except for the fact that she made that decision. Uh, but yeah, it, for me, I'm going no, go on the other side and close it from the side that you started on. There's no need for you to. It's like when you paint a floor or something, you don't paint yourself into a corner. You start the corner and you you know, paint toward the exit. Um, like that, that seemed like just a real big logic hole there. Uh, but you know, 
whatever. No, no big, no big deal. Like we could just assume that it's what you said. I think that's that's fair enough. Carol tries to fly up and save Monica, but she can't quite make it there. So now she feels like she's lost Monica again. They were together for just a, a little bit. Now they don't mm-hmm. know where she is. Monica's gone. Uh, Carol comes back with Kamala and they embrace, but they have to tell Fury that, you know, they they have no idea where Monica is. So it's basically where we're kind of finishing up. And <laughs> Kamala, we see that she actually at this point has both of the bangles together. And Kamala and her family help Carol move in to Louisiana. It's a sweet, it's, a, it's kind of right. sweet actually, where they're like, yeah. Helping her move into the Rambo house, and Carol's now back on the planet. Um, it's, it's like an extended family. I, I do like that. This is the Marvel family. You know, the, the Marvels sounds like a family name. You know, you're referring to like, like my family's the Kellys. You know, you're the Bacallus. Like, uh, it does. this is a uh, this is the Marvel family. So it is. I, I kind of dig that about the ending. And we did miss the the really important part where even mm-hmm. after Darben dies, uh, even mm-hmm. after Monica goes back into this other dimension carol goes and completes the job she goes and she uses her power to pull uh, icarus yeah pull an icarus right the sun (laughs) is back again she flies too close to the sun but she's able to get it back up and running so that the planet of hala is now livable again and breathable again and like you said the what darben wanted was completed even though darben's not here to see it anymore Her people now have a future. They can live and prosper. And now we just hope that there's not going to be a bunch of civil war like there was was before. But they at least have – I want to shout out – oh, sorry to cut you off. I want to shout out another movie here uh, that shares a a similar plot, Uh, Sunshine by Danny Boyle. One of my favorite all-time films is about a mission to restart our sun. Our son is dying, and it's about these astronauts that are sent in a special ship to go drop this, like, bigger than ever, you know, atomic nuclear bomb, whatever, uh, at the center of the sun and and create a new sun um, and save save the world. It's a great, great story. It kind of turns into, like, a a sci-fi horror story toward the end, but there's just – there's amazing visuals in it. Uh, Killian Murphy's the main character, uh, some great supporting actors in it. Uh, I just, just put it on like really, a queue because I've never seen it. So cool. I'm, oh, I'm looking forward I to it now. Highly recommend awesome. that. Awesome. Cool. Um, so I, it, just, it just reminded me of that. And it's right actually one bat, of my favorite Murphy, uh, Cillian Murphy, Chris Evans, and Rose yeah. Byrne, you know, some of the top cast. Yes. Like, solid yes. right there, you know. You right got to see it, right? Chris awesome. Evans is great in it. And it's a, gr- it's a great story. Some other actors you'll recognize in it. But the visuals are astounding. It's very like true to uh, life, at least as I would imagine it, with like – the sci-fi visuals and the, um, the stuff with the space, uh, walking in space and the, uh, how the sun affects them. And, uh, it's just really, really interesting uh, to watch. And I highly recommend it to all of our listeners because uh, it's, it, yeah, again, one of my favorite films. So as uh, we're back in Louisiana, Kamala and Carol share a moment where they go into the, the Rambo plane and they're mm-hmm. sitting there on the plane and they're talking about how Monica will come back and, Kamala wants to work with them all again uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. And this actually gives Kamala an idea. And then we yeah. see 
her shift. And uh, we're in New York now. And Kate Bishop comes home mm-hmm. after it looks like she'd probably been out doing some uh, doing some heroing. Yeah. Doing some, some Hawkeye shit. Yeah, doing <laughs> some Hawkeye shit, right? She's got all her arrows, like, right by the door. Like, 50 of them <laughs> just sitting right there. And Kamala's in the dark, totally Nick Fury, wearing right. the, the black hat. And she said, you know, she does the whole Nick Fury spiel. She's putting together a team, but it's great because like she'll try to be serious and then she'll say, please, are you want to be you want to be on the team? You know, <laughs> she'll go like from real serious there. She even mentions that Ant-Man had a daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so it looks like Kamala and Kate Bishop. Kate gave her a look initially like, who the hell are you? And yeah. then the more Kamala started to mention I know what you can do. I want to be on it. I want to be on a team. Kate has a big yeah. smile at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Pizza Dog too. She threw a little pizza to Pizza oh, Dog when she came right. in. <laughs> so uh, we had so much cat representation in this movie. We had to have yes. some dog representation just for the dog yeah, out there too, right? Well, just on balance. Yeah, I gotta yeah. have it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a dog guy than a cat guy anyway. So, Maybe that's yeah. why the Flurgan stuff that didn't hit I was gonna as, say, as yeah. Well for some people. You know what? I'm not a cat person either. I'm a dog, I'm a dog guy. So um yeah. but now like like for Hawkeye was another one where like it wasn't perfect, but I liked mm-hmm. the character of Kate Bishop a lot. Yeah. Like and moving I forward. especially liked that series up until like the last episode. I felt like the last episode had the most um, weak aspects and, of it, like ending, jump the yeah, shark stuff, yeah. Well, that, and you know what? A, Shout a out because it's um, it's yeah. a Christmas like right now. If you want to wa- rewatch yeah. it, it's like a Christmas show. You can yeah. kind of watch it during the Christmas time because it's leading right in. I think I'm gonna do that. Yeah, Me honestly, too. Because they put it on like the Christmas um section yeah. in Disney Plus too. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah, because it does uh, have it's like a it's a day. Show. It's a, each episode yeah. is like a day, you know, and that's kind of yeah. what the cool thing is. It like the six, seven days leading into Christmas. So not right, perfect, right. but and I think the same with Miss Marvel, and honestly, yeah. even with like She Hulk, those series yeah. were not perfect. But I really yeah. like those characters that they introduced, yeah. and they're lovable, yeah. they're likable, and I'm excited about spending more time with them when it can be fleshed out even better. Right on the yeah. big screen, like with with other re- like really good actors, because I think mm-hmm. they've got their characters down. You know, characters casting has always been so great. Uh, you know, there's a few exceptions here and there. Uh, we don't have to name them, but like uh, for the most part, they've just nailed characters from the jump. With the the best example, you know, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. couldn't couldn't have cast a better person uh, as that role. And then from there, just you know, you know the whole core. Uh, original Avengers team can't really do better than that. Like these, these are yeah. really great assembly. And then they've continued that into the Disney Plus era. That's one of the major strengths, I I think, is especially like Iman Vellani. She she might be number two next to Honestly, Robert Downey Jr. She might. Yeah. She really might. Okay. I don't think it's. I don't think we're understating her importance either. On like we're no. we're overstating it because she's she is someone who can be. And I and I hope I think. I think it was on New Rock Stars or somewhere. I hope they don't take some of the negative reception to this movie, like mm-hmm. in some of the numbers, and think, "Uh oh, we we don't want to use her as much because it's not her fault." No. Like I doubt they will, honestly, because she was always mentioned as the yes. person. So, I, and I agree with you. Good. I don't. I don't think she will get blamed for the. And honestly, like we said, you 
this movie isn't perfect, and we'll talk about the post mid credit scene uh, in a second because mm-hmm. that's that's the the movie now. That was uh, the end of it with Kit yeah. and uh, and Kamala kind of together moving forward. They're going to form a team, but this you, I don't think you blame the char- like the main characters in here. I don't think you blame a lot of the movie either. It was mm-hmm. it was things that are going on leading into this movie, other projects, yeah. other content, like the world that we're in right now, the way yep. there are a lot of outside factors that made this movie received as poorly yeah. as it was. Like even you and I right now, I like yeah. it a little more than you did. We, we kind of gave mm-hmm. our grades, but we've yeah. been critical of a lot of other things that didn't get yeah. this type of response or this type of like negative pub leading in. And it, mm-hmm. for a lot of the negative stuff, even with the way people didn't like Captain Marvel all the time and Brie Larson, like the way that it mm-hmm. was presented, I thought this was her her best showing so far in Mar- in, in Marvel, Marvel films. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and uh, it should be said, you know, Brie Larson got a lot of backlash for things that happened off screen. You know, just little things in interviews where people just decided they didn't like. Her I know it was really weird. Wrong thing. Yeah, and yeah, and I actually agree with the people that looked at some of those interviews and go. Oh yeah, that wasn't super likable, but that didn't like form my whole opinion on on her. I've always liked her, and I was excited to see her in this role. I think she's been great in other roles. Scott Pilgrim comes to mind. She sings in that. It's one of my favorite musical moments in any film ever when she sings uh, "Black Sheep." And that film, I actually show that to my son all the time on on YouTube. It's a great sequence and actually a really good song, and it's actually her vocals on it. She sings again in this film. She shows her range as a uh, a musician um, and a singer. Uh, I didn't love the music during the musical. That's one thing I didn't mention earlier. Uh, I didn't find it super engaging or or, Oh, no, that song was weird. I agree. It was weird, but but as a whole, I liked the vibe. I liked what what it did in the story, like the visuals of it. I liked the way that the characters were interacting. So I I liked uh, Aladna in general. And I liked Brie Larson. And you you touched on it earlier. You gave a lot of the credit to Iman Vellani. And I agree that she brought out a lot of things in, in Brie Larson. But I also think they wrote her a little differently. They corrected some of the issues mm-hmm. that they had in Captain Marvel that made her unlikable, which is just that uh, I, I kind of touched on this before, but she was uh, basically a perfect character in, in Captain Marvel. She just had to, she was just being held back by people. And she needed to get other people to realize how awesome she was. Uh, and that, that was kind of the arc in the, in the film. There wasn't really this personal, like, oh, I have a deficit somewhere and I have to overcome that deficit and become better and become the hero that, you know, I know I can be or whatever. Um, in this case, we see her flaws. She has, you know, fatal flaws. She has character flaws. And that makes her, in turn, more relatable, more human. 100%. And and we empathize like with her more. And, Absolutely. And we lo- and we want to see her use her powers more because we go, yeah, you are powerful. You 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 are great. And you're not those you know bad things that that you, you're not your mistakes. You know, you're like we're all imperfect. You can you can do better. And we want to see you do better. Uh, whereas if, if somebody's just like I'm awesome and you don't get how awesome I am, you almost want to see that person fall on their face. So it's it's a it's a different dynamic in this film that makes her much more likable. Uh, and and Brie Larson pulls it off too with her performance she's very nuanced she adds a lot of great little reaction things here that imbue her character with a sense of like she cares about uh kamala she cares about monica she has these deep regrets over you know what she the did three, 
what she didn't do and how she wasn't there for, for Monica. Yeah, what she did do to the decree and the mistakes she made. She was well-intentioned. You know, that, that's 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 relatable. She, you know, she, we all do well-intentioned things that end up backfiring. So we support her in this film. And I, I think that that was soundly written uh, this time around. She went and she said she's layered. She's like not she's imperfect, which is great, you know, because we get we have to pump these superheroes up and they're they're put up mm-hmm. on such a pedestal but they're not perfect they're all imperfect right. too and that's what makes you be able to relate to them and 100 percent. and tony stark was tony stark perfect oh my character? gosh he was a womanizer he was Bruce a Banner? drunk you know what i mean like Bruce every, Banner had, like like the whole fatal thing is like he's this J- jekyll and hyde thing he can't control his anger there's always got to be like a, a a dark side if black widow was well written she had a past she had yeah. Uh, stuff that she did as a spy that made her feel like she was a bad person. She was immoral. Uh, so she was always trying to uh, cross off that red in her ledger. Um, and, you know, every, you go, go down the list. Every character had, you know, fatal flaws and all great characters and all stories they have, to. have that. They have, have that. To. And so they, they did a better job this time with, uh, with characters. There are even like a couple cute moments that she has that I didn't see as <laughs> much in like Captain Marvel or other things. Right. Like the, there's the moment when, um, She's trying to like use her powers and she realizes she can't. And like, it, it's mm-hmm. like she she has this like frustration on yeah. her face that's yeah. like, she goes to try to like shake her hand and it doesn't work. And she kind of like makes a fist and it it just right. kind of cute is like the best way I could describe it. And then there's mm-hmm. the one that I uh, also kind of made a note of the second time it kind of just made me smile a little bit when she's with Fury and she's in the space station and she's talking to Fury about what just happened. And she's like, there was this shiny thing in the sky and I touched it. And he's like, why would you do that? You know, and she's like, it was shiny and I touched it. You know, it was just a small little thing, but it made you kind of like, she was more of like a regular person wanting to touch the shiny thing. You know, like it just, um, a couple cute things and then a couple more humanizing things for her. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just think they did a a lot better job with her and moving forward, super excited about some of the things to come, yeah. especially what we saw in the mid credit scenes where we yes, have Maria indeed. wake up and she's next to her mom. Yeah. And she's like, Monica wakes up and she's next to her mom, Maria. And right, she right. Maria Rambo and she's like, mom? And her mom doesn't know who she is. <laughs> like, what? That would be so weird. I thought about that, like, yeah. like leaving when I was leaving the movie in like a real sense. Like, could yeah. I imagine my mom and you say mom and your mom doesn't know who you are? Like just how really weird yeah. that would be, you know? Well, that's and, dementia, right? That's yeah, one of those, that's the parallel with people who experience dementia. And exactly. that's a lot of people who, exactly. who experience they have to deal that. with that. Exactly. Yeah, and that's she, a real, that's a reality for a lot of people and for, with their parents specifically. And that's really sad. Especially in this case where it's like, you haven't seen her in years. Mm, you see yeah, her yeah. and then she doesn't know who you are. Yeah. But as Monica's on like a, She's on a medical table. They were looking at her, running tests on her. Beast shows yeah. up from Kelsey X-Men. Grammar Beast. Kelsey Grammer, he's uh, doing the Frasier reboot on right now yeah. on Paramount Plus, which I watched because I loved Frasier. Yeah. The reboot is nowhere near like as good as uh, Frasier's really good. You know, like yeah. that's yeah. Like one of those shows that like when you were younger, you may not have watched it as much because it was maybe right. – but it's funny, like it's very well written, and like yeah. it's, it's really it's an easy watch if it's something you throw on in the background. The, this yeah. more recent one is like 
a little cringy. Like the writing's mm-hmm. not nearly the same. But Beast, yeah. we hear that Kelsey Grammer voice, and yeah. he even mentions he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know who this is, where she's from. He says that it's probable that they came from a different universe. And mm-hmm. he even mentions Professor Xavier. Yeah. yeah. So we're off we and running X-Doors. here. We get right? we get a full set of X doors. We're in uh, you know, the I don't, well, I don't know exactly what facility we're in, but I'm assuming it's the the school, like Xavier's school, and they, they're down in the basement. And we've we've been there a few times in, in the Fox movies. Uh, yeah. but this is like the first official, like we're mashing up the, the Fox stuff uh with with the MCU. Uh I, I love it. I think Secret Wars is gonna be all about this. I think Deadpool's gonna really kick it off. I I, I suppose you could say it kicked off in this post-credit sequence. This is the most X-Men we've gotten By since far. Multiverse of Madness, I guess, f- fair enough. We we had that there, too. So that's probably the, the original one. But, but this um, one feels this, a little different because like a, that, it, yeah. cause that was more. like a dream, almost like a fever dream, right? right like the way right. that and happened. It was the Illuminati. And then we came it was a back. Set. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Monica's there now, right? She's mm-hmm. there with yeah. them, and she's going to have to get back, and we're going to have to have them right. interact. And with Death right. coming next year, and I think they had said – that's supposed to be like they're going to really lean into kind of mm-hmm. wrapping up a lot of the stuff that they had in Fox properties, kind of giving yeah. a little nod to a lot of those things. Um, Can't wait. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, while this movie was not 100% an A, mm-hmm. it was fun. I like if it's something's fun and I have some gripes, at least I didn't I didn't like hate myself for the yeah. two hours I was watching it or it wasn't super yeah. serious and something that took itself yeah. way too seriously. You know, right. we, we yeah. leaned into the fun. And now we've got like four or five different things that moving forward, I'm very curious about. And I know mm-hmm. they're not going to slap us all in the face with them next year. So I'm pretty right. excited that hopefully these things can all get to breathe and be be good by the time we yeah. see. Yeah, I'm hoping that too. Uh, you know what? I, I think we need to be cautiously optimistic here because a lot of these things that have been in the pipeline during this you know down period in, in Marvel's era – uh, and they're they're going to take a, a minute to course correct. I think they're doing heavy reshoots of uh, Captain America: New World Order. I've heard rumors that it's not just a few sequences; it's like they're reshooting the whole movie. Daredevil, same thing. They canceled the first like eight. They already shot the first like eight episodes of that, and then they fired everyone, and they're starting over from scratch and reshooting everything. So yeah, maybe we'll start fresh, and this will be. Uh, a, a brand new era of, of, of quality, but we might have a few iffy projects still to uh, to sit through. Hopefully, they can course correct though. I, I, I'm at least uh, I'm at least reassured that they are on the right path and that they're aware of the problems within Marvel and that they're they're trying to do things a little bit differently. We'll see how it all shakes out though. I a think lot so of fun too. stuff on the horizon. I think that's yeah. the key. I think they they get it now moving forward. And it's not, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but you just feel better about like, hey, look, we tried something and yeah. I don't want to give them complete benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to act like it wasn't any of their fault, but then the last couple of years mm-hmm. have not been easy years either, right? Like we no. did just come out of a pandemic where things have completely mm-hmm. flipped the way that the production yeah. was. Then on top of that, throw in the writer's strike and the actor's strikes yeah. and things like that on top mm-hmm. of it to where yeah. – like these things that were made probably weren't getting like the the finishing touches as well as they should have been afterwards or the support yeah. 
after these projects were done, right? Because then you yeah. had all these actors that were in them that were like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, what do we do? Are we even promoting this stuff? So I do right. think like that doesn't mean that that some of these little things couldn't have been fixed, but overall, mm -hmm. between 2021 or 2020 and right now, these last three and a half years, basically yeah. the era of the Disney Plus era, it hasn't yeah. been easy all over. So right. And that's compounded. It's compounded by the reality of the Disney Plus era, which was, hey, let's do 10x what we've done previously per year. All and of these so things, two, yeah, and we don't necessarily all, have the, the best ecosystem around us for all of right. these things, you know? So yeah. you're completely right. Worse. It went yeah. from, we're going to try to do all this stuff, and then, oh, crap, this shut down, that shut down, this shut down, mm -hmm. all over. So now just yeah. – you just feel better about where things are moving forward. Yeah. Again, I think off of now Loki and this mm -hmm. one, both with positives, we all yeah. kind of feel a little bit better because we we said yeah. it a few times that Secret Invasion was was the probably the worst thing that yeah, the MCU the has ever done. It might have yep. been, and it really I, I like, left a bad bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah, and the fact that it came on the heels of a lot of uh, missed opportunities and disappointments just made it all the more of like a punctuation mark, an exclamation point uh, at the end of like a bad run of Marvel of, uh, products. Let's just call them products because that's kind of what they are um, at, during this era. They felt like they've slipped from great storytelling into more of like, hey, how can we treat this IP and expand it and then use this as a backdoor pilot for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? And so, yeah, it, it, there's been diminishing returns. And I, I don't want to um, discount also the effect that the media and the coverage around the MCU has Dude, also they... affected the discourse. Ryan Reynolds in the news this week for you know all these leaks that are coming out. We've got these telephoto cameras. When they're shooting outside, they're, they're spoiling all these reveals. Um, it's really hard if you're somebody who has any... Uh, knowledge or if, you're, if your toe is in this world at all, if you're following anybody on Twitter that's in this world, you're going to see your feed pop up with all these spoilers and things that personally, I try to avoid trailers. I don't want to know all these all the people. I want to be surprised when somebody I wasn't expected shows up on screen and they're in the whole movie. Uh, no, no Way Home was a great experience for me, but it would have been even better if I had no inkling that the three Spider-Men were going to be in there. That's something that got leaked early on. The rumorville, it's 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 really hard to contain information nowadays um, with you know in the digital age. Uh, so I think that's partially ruining the experiences. Combine that with that they show everything in the trailer, all the money shots from the film, they're gonna have an impact on you. If you're watching the trailers, the advertisements, you've seen them, you may have, maybe have seen them a dozen times. That's gonna diminish that feeling of impact when you actually see that in the context of the film. You go, oh, that's from the trailer. It's not this fresh thing that surprises you and jolts you. Uh, and so, yeah, this all compounds into the the experience of just, like, not caring as much about the next thing. Because, you know, I've, I've already seen it. They're doing this a similar movie than, that I've already seen. Plus, I've already seen it in the, in the trailers and whatnot. And so um, are you aware of what Ryan Reynolds has been doing to fight these leaks this, this past week? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So he's been and posting all these, these fake images fake from – yeah. Deadpool just to throw people uh, off Deadpool. Yeah. Just to throw off like the Google searches. So like, you don't know like what's real or what's not. And, and if you're trying to avoid it, I think that's great because you can see something and you go, Oh, okay, I'm going to look away. I don't know if that was fake or real or whatever. I'm just going to try to ignore it. 
and it kind of creates, it leaves things uh, up in the air a little bit more. So I like that suspense and I like to be surprised I'm, in a movie theater. Well, so I'm, hopefully we can get that back. I'm completely like you too. I mean, I mentioned, like, mm-hmm. I love wrestling still. I watch wrestling. I don't want to be spoiled ever by like, right. I don't like even being spoiled by this guy's going to show up tonight. Like it's fun when you don't know right. they're going to show up. Right. Because when you know, it's like, Punk. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, he just came back to he, WWE. He just showed up last week. And there were, you know, anytime they would be in Chicago, there would be like mm-hmm. a like a possibility that Rumors, it could be CM yeah. Punk. But honestly, that was like dismissed in the, the, the days leading up to it. And I think because yeah. it was so dismissed, I think WWE actually was like, nobody thinks this is gonna happen right now. Like they right. like, like, let's go into it. And apparently it all came together in the last like 24 hours before the day so there wasn't even that much time for it to get like out and it was mm-hmm. perfect it was awesome and like you, it showed up it was like oh my god you know you heard his music and it was that cool feeling and like yeah. right here i didn't know we were gonna see beast at the end of this movie right i could have yeah. read that before i went in and watched it but i didn't know that and i got excited mm-hmm. seeing it and moving forward you know and that's and- yeah, conversely, I did know. I I, right? I saw a, like I saw an image, and I saw this movie like opening day. I saw maybe like it opened on Thursday night, midnight showings or late night showings. Like I saw it on Friday. Like it was, and I still like just from scrolling Twitter, I saw somebody had screenshotted it or whatever, and I I, I knew it was coming. Uh, on some level, I knew it was coming. So like that, you know, sense of like. Christmas morning, wow, this is a surprise. Like, wow, like this is great. Like that's that's not there anymore. It's just like, oh, okay, now we're now we're here in that moment that I've been you know, kind of looking toward the whole time and expecting. It just takes the magic out of it. Yep. Yep. So uh well there was some magic here in this one and it felt good. Yeah. And Kamala Khan, hopefully a big character and a big yeah. part of the MCU moving forward when yeah. we have uh next year, I believe, Echo and Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, uh, I'm not sure exactly when they said, what if Agatha or other things that are possibly down the line. Um, yeah. When there's, I think those are coming next year, the, yeah. those two. And a lot of Sony products, uh, yes. uh, products, a lot of Sony uh, movies. Madam Web, coming out too. I think mm-hmm. I saw. Um, a Madam yep. Web is going to yep. be one. And also one other cool thing to mention, there were t- a few times in this movie where Kamala mm-hmm. mentioned things about, negative about either spiders or uh things that um the spider-man character likes like not liking physics being against the spiders right so they were teasing the fact that we could could be a really fun standoff one day down the line with kamala you know and and spidey spidey? against each other with their just sort of youthful quips that could be a lot of fun so it's it's exciting when we are now excited about the future moving forward But uh, I got to say, another year, man, because we probably won't talk about yeah. these movies or shows or whatever until next year. And it's already been yeah. a few years where you have come on and been such a big part of this show and helped me and given Thank me uh, so many hours of your time where I know you've watched these movies. But I know you go and watch mm-hmm. them again or rewatch them again and take some mm-hmm. notes and stuff that you probably wouldn't be doing if you weren't coming on mm-hmm. here. So um, I the the folks that listen – they are a big fan of yours. They always appreciate you. your insight. I've, I've never gotten anything but like super positive comments from people that are fans that love it. And it has been such a blast just catching up with you the last couple of years. And we've yeah. gotten to see each other a few times, at least not as much as we like. We always try to, to set up, but with families and kids and everything, yeah. it gets tough. But hopefully in the next few weeks, maybe between now and the new year, we can get the families together for a, a night or two. And I love you, buddy. Thanks so much for all your help the, the last you. few years. And 
you've got a couple, another member of your family now recently. I think mm-hmm. both of your kids that you had were like, we mm-hmm. were scheduling things around when they were yeah, around the birth. You were, yeah. uh, you've been such a big part of this show and such a huge help to me and such a good friend, man. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Appreciate you, bro. Love you too. And uh, it's been a blast talking about these projects with you. Uh, we'll have, like you said, a few less in the coming year, but maybe we'll do something to cover, like, like yeah, what some of the old ones. Web or yeah, Venom, or even Venom we can go back, Craven like the Hunter. Yeah, when the, or when even like, the old ones. Yeah. yeah, when something comes up, maybe we can we can do one of the movie, like the prequels. You know, if we have a yeah. cap, you know, Captain America next time, we haven't hit on any of the early, the early Captain Americas. You know, we can do something right. like that. So um, that would be cool. Lots of stuff, and then in the the world of Star Wars too. Anytime there's yeah. anything cool going on in in fandom, Tim Kelly will be here to join us to talk about it with us. Give him a follow at Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure to check out his awesome music work with him and his beautiful wife and their family. You have a happy holidays, my friend. Thank you so much, and uh, all of you out there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with more Marvel and Star Wars stuff in the coming weeks anytime there's something out there. But for now, we're all caught up, and make sure you can go all the way back, especially through the holidays if you're you know, on long drives or maybe you're re-watching things. We've got all the uh, the recaps, so if you go through Hawkeye and you want to go back and listen to our recaps of the Hawkeye episodes, we've got them all out there for you. I'm going to make sure to, to uh, post some of our more recent ones from the last year or so, so if anyone's out there during the holidays and they want to uh, – Get some extra listening in. They can do so. We'll be back with much more very soon on That's What G Said in the MCU and the world of Star Wars.